0: that you get that to say you are on the stage, but why is it always there? It's a permanent fixture. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Tyler, can I ask you a question? Yep. You know, I, um, I just noticed you got muted just now. Is that, um, do you get that um, a lot on the Club Because that happens to me a lot when I stream on Club Dick. I keep getting muted like every 10 minutes.
2: Mm, no, I, I muted myself.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm having problems with club that keeps throwing me off. And...
2: You maybe you're doing a keystroke for mute or something.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I need I need to message um, Pierre. I, hope, I is... know
3: DJ. You must be having too much hand gesture. That's a hand gesture. Um, yeah, notification.
1: Oh.
2: And, okay. okay. So here we go, and let me grab this welcome Um. back happy we happy saturday everybody i'm pinning the link to the twitter account because that's kind of our secret sauce here at tech news around the world and what we do is as a group and you're more than invited to participate is we share tweets and what so when when people on stage or in the audience find a tweet uh, or any story, honestly, that they find interesting that they think we might you know, want to talk about, simply create your own tweet from your own Twitter account and then include our Twitter account, T-N-A-T-W, the first letters of tech news around the world, so that we can see that. And we see all the tweets. And we pick the best ones, and then we share them, as we're about to do right now, by retweeting them out to our 6,152 followers. And uh it's it's a fun little game that we do and uh so sit back and relax and uh or sit lean forward and raise your hand and jump up on stage either way there's there's two different ways to play it so um every, everyone on stage is a regular no newbies today uh, although this somebody named Islam has their hand up and wants to take take their chance to be on stage here today. Welcome, Islam
3: And Dr. Frank. you have a mic.
2: Okay. She's clapping, I think. Okay, so we're going to Let jump... jump let's jump right into it. I got the air horn. There it goes. And then, Cheryl, I'll mod you if you'll... Uh, yeah, I'll take for you. If you take the tweets and pin them to the top. Um, yes. Do okay. So here we go. So the top story, we'll, we'll run through the top stories really quick because on the Saturday edition, my God, basically we have to catch up on all of the tweets that we haven't done this week and at the same time run through the top headlines. But thankfully, Saturday is kind of a slow news day. So it goes quite quickly. So the top one is from the Washington Post. It says that Meta, formerly known as Facebook, is just playing catch up. As Roblox, Steam VR VRChat, and other platforms have already developed metaverse-like experiences. In addition to announcing Facebook's rebranding to a meta on Thursday, Mark Zuckerberg delivered a number of lofty promises about the metaverse and its futures. Okay. In, uh, it was billed as the company's vision for the future, but much of what Mark Zuckerberg promised about the metaverse exists today in video games. And this is by somebody named Gene Park. He's a reporter for the Washington Post. And I'm already getting the sense that Gene uh, might not be the best person to write this kind of an article. So I'm just going to do a quick little search on Gene Park, Washington Post. Hopefully find his Twitter account. There it is. Check out his bio. Here it is. He's a games reporter. Okay. At Washington Post. Formerly from Cal State Fullerton. And, okay, Gene, as a game reporter for the Washington Post, let's see what you have to say about the metaverse. He says, while the metaverse isn't here and doesn't offer the interoperability Zuckerberg and many other gaming and tech CEOs aspire to realize in designing the next evolution of the internet, building blocks and runways had been established years ago or years before Zuckerberg publicly announced his intent to turn Facebook into a metaverse company only a few months ago. Here's a quote. I am dedicating our energy to this more than any other company in the world, Zuckerberg declared at the end of his presentation Thursday. That may be true moving forward, but Chinese conglomerate Tencent has been pouring billions into investments in the metaverse for some time now. In this regard, Facebook slash meta is playing catch up. The, a number of Zuckerberg's promised future experiences can already be found in games, albeit separately. The metaverse vision is to unite them in ways that would make navigating everything as seamless as clicking a link on today's internet. That would that will be the challenge for game-making companies like Roblox and Epic Games. But as far as the experiences Zuckerberg games to create, they've already accomplished that feat. If you have children... You may have heard of Roblox, but Roblox is not just a kid's game. It is an already robust internal metaverse-like platform where moving avatars and items across apps is already possible. Your Roblox avatar and belongings persist and stay with you no matter which game experience you choose to enter while using Roblox. That has been a huge appeal of Roblox for almost a decade. You do not enter other players' worlds as famous game characters like Halo's Master, Chef, Master Chief rather, or Tomb Raider's Lara Croft, or any other number of predetermined avatars like Fortnite. While well, crude, your Roblox avatar is a unique expression of yourself built from the game's offerings, and you use that avatar to play anything from hide-and-seek to an adaptation of Squid Game using Roblox. And he goes on and on, but he summarizes by saying... To his credit, Zuckerberg did say that the metaverse would include experiences on computers and smartphones and screens. And, and this is my problem with this article. <laughs> um, is you straw man and kind of distort and as much as you can the points that were made so that you can make a, a catchy headline. And then in the last paragraph, you say, actually, you know what, I'm just going to walk this back so I you know, don't look like I'm a complete idiot and people point out that how wrong I am. So here I'm burying it in the very last paragraph if you got this far. But anyone else who, you know, got upset by the first, you know, 90% of the article, I've got my little safety clause down here at the bottom, um, you know, so I can defend myself in any uh, Twitter argument that might ensue based on the headline in the first 90% of the article. Don't do that. I mean, don't hide your opponent's truth of their argument in the last two sentences of your piece. Uh, He mentioned this in passing, but it's important to note that Zuckerberg is not creating the metaverse as much as the company's name change and fancy computer generated trailers may have led audiences to believe in reality. This was a news release about exactly. And you kept he said multiple times that his promises, his promises, his promises. No, he wasn't making promises. He's saying here's how it could be. That is not a promise. He's not promising anything. So but so you're again you're intentionally twisting and misconstruing and intentionally honestly misinforming your own audience at the Washington Post. And that really is uh the biggest sin of all of this. So in reality, this was a news release about a company's rebrand to spin the fact that Zuckerberg and company are catching up to the concept of the metaverse. They just happen to be a little late in hopping on board. Video game companies have already been hard at work building it for years. In in a yeah, he has actually. There's some truth to the point that he's making, which is video games. Um, in some sense, are embodied experiences that you as a player go into and run around as a kind of a, a a world and, and they can collaborate and you could jump from theoretically from game to game and take your avatar from game to game. And all of these things are happening. And the things that you buy in one game could transfer to another and yada, yada, yada. And the game developers have uh, definitely had a head start at this because they've been building in this 3d like environment Ever since Doom, basically, which was the, one of the first games that popularized this kind of 3D like uh, gameplay where your the camera is, you know, three meters behind the main character's head out of, you know, 45, you know, uh, kind of that classic video game angle, which will likely be a very common camera angle in the metaverse, although we don't know yet. The, the there's this is common in games as well where does it make more sense to see your own avatar from behind or through your own eyes which is kind of the classic VR experience so in many video games allow you to toggle between the two honestly uh, and and another third party camera view like an a whole other camera from the other side And and I imagine this will be true in the metaverse as well. But predominantly, the the assumption is with these productivity apps and nearly uh, most of the apps that were being shown in the Facebook event uh, video that we watched, it was all very first-person view, as they call it.
4: Tyler, do you really think that uh, that in the metaverse, in terms of VR, and metaverse obviously goes way beyond VR, but in the VR versions, they would actually do third-person view? are they doing that today
5: There's
2: a many give the option to toggle between it and they normally set a default that they think the users more likely to use but the, if you look in the settings there's often multiple options on cameras And some some players use that as a who get really good at that use that as an advantage um for their ability to get a little bit of a glimpse behind a corner. If you're in a kind of an army simulation game or whatever, you know what I mean?
4: Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it just, it kind of goes against a little bit in terms of like being fully immersed. Right. Uh, but again, the, the, if the goal is to win, <laughs> then right. immersion is not the goal. Yeah.
2: Right. So the next one is from, uh the atlantic it says meta's promised metaverse what what is it with you guys like r- really trying to stick it to mark here like oh, you you said this stuff now <laughs> meta's promised metaverse is going to be boring and is meant to distract us from the world that facebook helped break yes mark mark zuckerberg you broke the world mark
6: tyler it's because it's because these industries have had to evolve themselves based on Facebook, and now they're seeing they have to evolve due to Meta, and they're getting frustrated. I'll, and I'll tell you this:
2: the journalists should be shitting themselves, and that you can tell they already are by this headline that we're about to read here from the Atlantic, because in that metaverse video that we saw, the only what I <laughs> he didn't do it, but what would have been fantastic would be some avatar walks up to you and says, "Hey." Did you hear what just happened? Here's all the most important news today. <laughs> and it's just an AI. And then he, and then he could say that's how we're going to enjoy the news in the future, you know. And this is the first app we're actually going to focus on our 10 billion dollars on building. It's it's a news app called Newsy. And hey Newsy, how's it going? Oh, hi Mark, I'm an AI. Do you want to hear what's going on? Uh, I I already know what headlines you've liked in the past, kind of like a Spotify playlist. Here's your playlist of the news that I know is gonna be most important for you in, in the most efficient way possible. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, great. How many how much time do you got, Mark? I don't know. How about three minutes? Okay, great. Here you go. Do, 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 and then watch watch all of the heads of all of the editors and journalists fucking explode. And <laughs> and I had to said, think about Tyler
4: did
7: not say that yesterday <laughs>
4: well also like imagine even doing tech news around the world with Avatar in the metaverse. Right, and and that's what's gonna happen is you're gonna see, you know, people think social audio is is the restriction of no video, but if you put it together with VR, I've been again that 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 meta presentation really got into my head. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I, I I literally am starting to rethink all assumptions. And the idea here is that perhaps the reason why we like social audio so much is because it dis- it's removing the distract distraction of of how we're looking and how we're acting. Uh, But what if we could re bring that back in and be a much more engaging version of the news as tech news around the world tends to be? And so I do think that like AI would be incredible, but I think there's an intermediate step where we can take this and put this into the metaverse in terms of uh, actual VR and other modalities. It's kind of exciting. Tyler, they had to switch
6: from journalism to tabloidism. And if you, you, you could just see it in their headlines, you know, when you see the headlines, where every single first word is capital, the first letter yeah. and every word capitalized. Yep. That's your that's your first indicator that their level of journalism is not to inform but to uh, basically elicit a reaction, and so they had to reinvent themselves, going from you know real journalism into sensationalism, and now they're realizing, oh shit, we not only have to change how we write, we need to change the medium completely which we don't know how to do. And so they view this as like their last front. This is their last, um, la- really their last battle. And so they feel like, okay, let's go all out on the human being behind this instead of adjusting how we do business in the future. And, and that's a classic fallacy that a lot of companies fall into.
2: So here, check, watch how easily debunked this dude's point is. Uh, his name's Ethan Zuckerman, writing for The Atlantic. And the headline again, Meta's promised metaverse is going to be boring and is meant to distract us from the world that Facebook helped break. Right. You know, I mean, as you know, well, in in fairness, if you're a journalist, Facebook did break your world. and And that's not a no, you know, that's legitimate. I understand Facebook crumbled your hopes and dreams of being, you know, making a living, basically. Uh, sharing your thoughts in text, I, and, I'm, and we're very sorry about that, and I understand your whole life's vision is crumbled, and mommy and daddy lied to you, and it's all Marky's fault. Okay, I, we, we can hear the bitterness in your headline. Now, the he, the story, the first thing he says is, Hey, Facebook, I made a metaverse 27 years ago. It was terrible then, and it's terrible now. Okay, well, nothing says that your parents hate you like a headline like that. Nothing says I, uh, you know, my parents probably shouldn't have had a kid when you write a headline like that. Because for (laughs) for many reasons, that's just a fundamental logical fallacy. Because just because your metaverse sucked 27 years ago, by the way, uh, a lot of video games sucked 27 years ago. Right, uh, there was a lot of video games that kind of sucked twenty seven years ago that don't suck now there in fact, there's a whole lot of apps that people have tried over the years. Matter of fact, food delivery let's just pick one rapid Intercity delivery webvan in nineteen ninety eight when nineteen ninety nine was the laughing stock of Silicon Valley. It was the poster child. For failed hubris. It was, it, it, it utterly sucked. It didn't work for many very important reasons. And today, it's booming in every city on the planet from Kathmandu to fucking Colombia to you name it. Ethiopia's got fucking rapid city, inner city delivery in Adidas. E- everywhere has it now. 27 years ago, they tried, it failed, it didn't work much like your virtual reality your metaverse didn't work and it turns out that some every decent investor when you're pitching them if you're pitching them an idea from the past or an idea that's never been done before they will ask you why now why is now the right time to try this idea did it it didn't work in the past because there was other complementary technologies that were necessary that didn't work. By the way, 27 years ago, we were signing on to the internet with like... Er, ar,
8: be, 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 be,
2: and we didn't barely have fucking colored photos 27 years ago on the internet. So it's not really... Call me shocked that your metaverse uh, wasn't fantastic 27 years ago when it was hard to send even images to each other 27 years ago. Hey, so, Tyler,
9: it's funny you say that. There's a really good documentary, I think it came out in twenty eighteen called General Magic, and it talks about Mark Porat, Andy Hertzl, Tony Fadell, how they came up with all these technologies way before their time. And they sucked. And now they're like iTunes, Amazon, and all these big things now. So yeah. I think everything just has
2: everything has its time. Everything requires other uh, technologies Easy. to coordinate with Uh, And that's why some things happen before their time and they don't work. So for you to assume that it will suck now, uh, even though the last article we just read, mind you, says, oh, Facebook's trying to catch up. They're far behind. This is already happening. Okay, great. So, hey, Atlantic, why don't you go talk to your friends over the Wall Street Journal who would argue that Facebook's actually behind and it's already happening? Do you see how they're trying to attack from both sides? How can those both be true simultaneously? That's cognitive dissonance. One side is trying to say, "Oh yeah, yeah, oh you're you're too late. You're you're behind. You're playing catch up." Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. Right. How many uh VR games are people playing, are buying? How many u- people are using Quest today? An incredibly small percentage. How how many, you know, there's this is by no means uh this race has not even officially started yet. They're timing it perfectly. Timing wise, they couldn't be better. Where they are at right now with their timing of this event that they just did, I don't know what when was that? Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and where things are at, with their new pro version of their Oculus headset coming out very soon, with they've got a the wristband working They've got other really interesting technologies working. There's a wave, and it's about timing, catching the wave. i got to say, as somebody who grew up surfing on the beaches of San Diego, they're catching the wave. They're paddling into this wave pretty much right, perfectly timed. Not too early. They've been at it for, I don't know, Mm, eight. When did they buy Oculus, Fran? Doctor Fran, about eight years ago. Oh,
0: Jeff Dash JT is the numbers man, but um, it was a few years ago. But what I I did want to say something. All of this stuff has been here, but what um Meta represents is raising the bar, and we've hit a tipping point. So now the world is going to know about what's been going on. But it's been going on. I mean, people in Fortnite have been having major concerts. Um, Heyman and I went to live opera last night in all space VR. So, you know, so all this stuff is going on. Meta is going to have to really be meta to pull all the worlds together. And I hope that Mark Zuckerberg isn't lying when he talks about the interoperability. Done.
4: And actually, one thing I was saying was around market timing. So one example is mobile. You know, people talk a lot about how, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the power of NASA is in your hands now and all this stuff uh, comparing us to the 1960s. But, you know, people don't realize that the first cell phone was built in 1973, right? If you guys remember, Saved by the Bell, there was a cell phone. He had that big, if you guys remember that brick, big phone. The Zach and then, Morris phone. Zach Morris phone. And, you know, to be honest, uh, uh, when we think about, when most of us at least think about the first, quote unquote, smart phone we don't think about uh you know ibm simon (laughs) i'm I'm aging myself a little but you know uh, or uh you know even the palm pilot we think of the iphone and the iphone is less than you know what is it 20 years old like less than 20 years old 2007 or whatever so
0: ipods 20
4: yeah so i mean it just gives you a sense of market timing matters we didn't have market timing is everything i mean tyler's talking about when you're sitting in front of a VC, the number of times the VC will say well but but why now you know obviously people have thought of these ideas before but right like, why now?" And, right. and that is if you can't answer that question, don't even go Don't be
2: exactly um, right it. exactly right and I'm sure and, and, and also why island. you the other the two the, by far the why two you? most important questions is why now and why you?" It all comes down to those two questions at the end of the day. And you have to have incredibly good reasons for both incredibly, incredibly good reasons for both of those answers.
7: Do
4: you and know how and many, I one sure, one think sure. one last thing, Chris, was do you know how many dispatch apps were out there before Uber? People don't know this. I actually know this because one VC told me this before, uh, before investing in us, actually. And they said 12,000 apps for dispatch. The technology had been there so much, but all of them had been focusing on uh on helping the actual taxi cab companies but until we had cell phones in the hands of everyone and they had good gps you had google maps you had all of these other complementary technologies and at that point uber just came in and lyft came in at the right time so it's not just about them being super smart i think going to consumer super smart but it's also understanding that hey i think we've hit an inflection point in mobile uh, so, you know, uh, it, it's it's so hard to explain, but
6: yeah. The tech has to be there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've shared this in the room and then in the back channel, but I, w- I, I had Square before Square. In 2002, I had a web-based point of sale system and, I you know, I had all this uh, per transaction, you know, I was going to buy the computers, put them into the restaurants. They pay, you know, 25 cents, a quarter per transaction or something. But it's all about timing. You know, when I took the stuff in there, they're like, great, you know, this is awesome. I can view my, my, my sales from my Palm Pilot. That's what they were using then. Um, and, and, but here's the thing, I don't have internet at my restaurant and I'm not gonna bring it in. Why do I need internet at my, at my restaurant? And timing is everything. And, and until, you know, mobile really promulgated and everybody had internet everywhere, you know, the point of sale via web couldn't happen. So timing is absolutely everything. And, you know, that that's just it, is that, you know, Mark, is, Mark has got Facebook at the right time, the right place, and with the right things to really take us to to the beginning of the so future. So here,
2: after he spends like 10 paragraphs explaining what he did and failed at, he then gets into the part of the, argue, the, the article we could debate, where he actually starts making points, which is, he says, The metaverse Zuckerberg showed off in his video doesn't have to solve those. He's promising future technologies that are five to ten years off no he's not promising he's saying they're going to work on it there was no guarantee he made it clear there's no guarantee any of this stuff's happening they're working on it they want everyone to work on it you got to stop trying to put words in his mouth so anyway but it's still he says hold on don't interrupt me he's promising future technologies that are five to ten years off but it still looks like junk The fire in his fireplace is roughly rendered glow. His superhero secret lair looks over a paradise island that's almost entirely static. There's a nominal notion of waves, but none of the foliage moves. This is what you guys were thinking when you were watching this, right? You are like, hey, those plants aren't moving and that fire looks like (laughs) shit, right? I mean, everyone was was thinking that, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, the fireplace, uh, the plants weren't moving and it's There's a nominal motion of waves, but none of the foliage moves. It's tropical wallpaper pasted to virtual windows. The sun is setting behind his left shoulder, but he's being lit from the right front. Even, actually it wasn't, the lighting, I was paying close attention to that. I was really impressed with how the lighting team there was mimicking what was going on in that VR environment. Even with a bajillion dollars to invest in video to relaunch and rename his company, Zuckerberg's team is showing just how difficult it is to create a visually believable virtual world but that's not the problem uh with zuckerberg's metaverse the problem is that it's boring the futures it imagines have been imagined a thousand times before precisely to your point about uber predecessors Uh, the two old men chat over chessboard one is in barcelona one's in new york much as they did in minitel in the 1980s there's a virtual ping pong and surfing you know like on a wii you can watch David Attenborough nature documentaries like you do on Netflix. You can video conference with your workmates, you know, like you do every single day. Zuckerberg isn't building the metaverse because he has a remarkable new vision of how things should be. That's not an original thought in his video, including the business model. Thirty minute, thirty eight minutes in, Zuckerberg gets serious, talking about how humbling the past few years have been for his business, remembering. Remember, he's not humbled by the problem of Russian disinformation or the spread of anti-vax information or the challenge of how Instagram affects teen body image. No, he's humbled by how hard it is to fight against Apple and Google.
5: Okay, Karam.
10: So, um, you know, on this particular point that, you know, out of timing and all that, I think two great examples we can actually bring in um larry allison you know introducing laptop back in 77 um and you know obviously timing is out and uh, you know he's not going to be the actual you know hardware manufacturer goes into the actual database and all that um now 15 years or so down the road sand has come along uh solid state memory uh but is sticking along and almost actually getting close to bankruptcy pretty much in late 90s because there's no digital (coughs) uh, cameras. There's nothing where the actual solid state memory is gonna be actually used. And all of a sudden like there's, you know, all these digital cameras coming out and now the computers can actually take a solid state memory and everything. But hanging on to something for too long could be the way that you can actually get, you know, um, sort of attraction along the way, but this is like all to do with the, uh, you know, whether you're going to be the one who's gonna be ultimately, you know, working on that, or you're just gonna actually move on. So if somebody has been working on, I mean, that not necessarily means that, you know, you're gonna be the one who's gonna be actually capitalizing on it. So, I mean, two of the great examples, the Sandisk actually got paid off because they actually held on to it, kept on working on it, and just waited for the market to be ready for them. Whereas Larry Allison <laughs> didn't work and went on to actually databases and all that. So, I mean, it's, it's it's got to be where you just hang on to it for a longer period of time, but you cannot just simply say that, okay, all of a sudden I actually worked on it 10 years ago, thereby, you know, this is what, this is why this is happening or somebody is actually capitalizing on it. So. You know, if you could have been working on for like 15 years, yes, people would give you a credit for it, but not now. So just, uh, it depends.
11: Hey, can I jump in? Sure. So this is really common. So what is Mark waiting for? Mark my words, by the way, a pun intended. Um, He's waiting for all the companies that have already done it to come to him and say, hey, will you buy our company? He's going to buy up a bunch of companies, guys, and then he'll have what he promised, right? So that's how they work in Silicon Valley on something like this. He's got a big dream. He knows that other people have invested time and energy and money. He's gonna wait for them to come to him, say, here's what we got, Meta, you, Meta, who, Meta, what. Don't know what it's gonna be called. Um, but he's gonna buy up a bunch of uh, companies that have already done things in the metaverse. And all of a sudden he's got what he needs, right?
0: Suzanne is spot on and um, it, I, I'm going to, I'm willing to bet Tyler that in your top 10, are going to be some articles about stuff that Facebook is buying up already done. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, the next one is Mark Zuckerberg. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg says Facebook, the company is now meta, whatever. That's just the announcement. The next one, CNBC says they have sources that Zuckerberg agreed to name change after years of staff complaints and research showing a brand tax on apps with the from Facebook label. Next one is um, you, wanna, uh, from New York Times. Facebook's metaverse is designed to solve several problems an aging user base, dependence on Google and Apple, regulatory risk and reputational damage. The next is, here, there it is. You, kudos to you. Good prediction. Meta acquires within. Literally, the next article, as Cheryl can confirm, mm-hmm. she she knows my source. I don't make the sequence. Meta acquires within the company behind VR fitness game Supernatural. Within will continue working on the game and help Meta improve future VR hardware. But you're but you're you're lagging behind. You're lagging behind. You're you you've got all the money to buy the whole fucking industry. But you're lagging behind. You have the top headset. on on the world today but you are so lagging behind you are so incredibly far behind and and it's going to be boring and it's going to suck because i tried it 27 years ago and it was boring and it sucked so um meta has announced that the studio behind vr workout game supernatural is will be joining the company adding to the roster of studio owned of studios owned by what used to be known as Facebook's Oculus division. The company says that within the company behind Supernatural will continue to work on the popular fitness app and will also help Meta's Reality Labs enhance future hardware to support VR fitness apps. That's awesome because now you've got a team who's built a VR workout game who is joining the platform to help others build VR fitness apps. You, you see how that is a smart move if you are face Meta, the company Meta, to hire the best uh, developer in the space, bring them in house, and as a as a resource, as a you know, for building out uh, the ecosystem. That's brilliant. They should. <laughs>
4: So what I was going to say is what's really interesting is the kind of what Dr. Fran was saying around acquisition. And then what you kind of pointed to, Tyler, which is it is an acquisition of a game and a gaming studio, but it's really an acquisition to build out infrastructure. So that's what's crazy about Meta. It's sort of infrastructure as a service for VR. And yes, they're buying games, but think about what the future games that are built on this infrastructure will do to Peloton. Gone. Gone. Why would you ever sit, you know, on a bike and not have a headset so you can actually see everybody else in the spin class? I mean, these—it's gonna literally wipe away a lot of these industries that were built on, you know, pre metaverse. And so I, I do uh, the infrastructure thing here. I'm telling you right now, mark my words. With there's been a, an inf- a large number of VR infrastructure. I'm gonna name one. I have no idea about this, but Embodied Labs is one example that is uh, healthcare-related, watch them buy one of those and build an infrastructure around healthcare. And we're yeah. going to see them do the same thing around fintech.
2: Exactly. Same thing around Productivity. Office. Yeah. Office. And Office. guys,
11: how he's going to structure the deal, because I know how this goes in the industry as well. So he's going to structure the deal where he buys it for a ton of um, money. However, those at the top um, are truly invested in Meta or Facebook because they're... they're um, Options or or whatever stock doesn't vest for five years, so they have to stay with the company, right? So, so they're going to stay and work.
2: Yep, yeah, he he's not stupid on how to acquire companies, that's for sure. Yeah, Mark has been one of the best acquirers of technology of startups the world has ever seen. So this is not uh, not a surprise that he's going to continue to do one of the things he does best, which is acquire. The best of breed in each category, as Doctor Donish just said, he's going to get the best productivity team. Whoever creates like the best office experience, or you know, to bring them in, and the best fitness um, app, and bring them in, the best video games to bring them in. You know, he'll bring in the best of classes as long as he can, and and medical, and you know, like you said, fintech, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. He, I mean imagine if apple had bought all of the top 20 revenue generating apps in apple's ecosystem when they genius. were ju- just absolute utterly genius if if apple had one wish to, to go back in time if you if apple if you could go back in time at the start of the iphone and you had one wish what would it be it would likely be that it would be uh, we wish we could have bought the top 20 apps do you so,
6: think so, huh? do you think so? I- I actually think that Apple deliberately doesn't have any killer apps because they want to spurn the ecosystem.
2: Yes, but if you're trying to build an ecosystem in the way... That, this is where Mark is different from Apple. Yeah, because like,
6: it's a hard versus soft, right? I get it. Well,
2: there's a, there's, many, there's many differences. Like, And this could be his folly. This actually could backfire. Where... Okay. You're, make no mistake, you're going to have uh, a whole bunch of folks who don't want to participate in whatever Meta is doing and they want to build a more open, uh, decentralized, um, you know, blockchain style, you know, ethically, uh, you know, style of development that is antithetical to what uh, Zuck wants to do with Meta. And that's going to exist. There's always been, you know. It's always been. There was two. There was Apple versus Windows, and there was uh, iPhone versus Android. And there's going to be Meta versus something. And but in this case, is that something going to be Apple or is it going to be this massive uh, uh, decentralized? you know, take the power, put the, keep the power back in the hands of the individuals and not consolidated, not overly centralized power.
6: I mean, at the end of the day, though, right, when you look at it, if if your main goal is a a sustainable ecosystem for your company, you you kind of need to let some other players have some success, right? True. Yeah, yeah. When I look at it from a pure business perspective, right, Apple is collecting 30% of the App Store revenue. So that means they're going to capture 3 out of 10. What does 3 out of 10 look like if Apple is totally dominant and doesn't even allow much success of the app ecosystem? So 3 out of 10 becomes 3 out of 4, right? And so your market share drops, and, and, and ultimately your platform doesn't gain adoption. I mean, why Apple really? I mean, just like Danish said, there were smartphones before Apple. When, when Apple entered the space, I said, oh, Apple's going to get destroyed. No one's going to leave their Microsoft infrastructure uh, to, to join on Apple. Well, I was totally wrong. You know, I was totally wrong there.
4: So the difference here is the fidelity of the platform. And what I think when you think about the smartphone platform by, and first of all, they didn't just come out with the App Store immediately, right? So the App Store came later. So initially they did actually want to own everything, but it's a different mentality. It's the mentality around. So the goal actually initially was not to build an ecosystem. If you go back and you read about it, Apple actually the the, the, yep. the leadership right. team had to convince Steve Jobs that, hey, we need an app store. <laughs> it's kind of, a, and this is something that again, doesn't get talked about. He's always yep. a genius, but yeah, yeah. Know, he also wanted to build everything himself. and so here with with facebook what i was and I, I i think that subtlety and nuance that tyler was talking about cannot be overstated they did not buy within for supernatural if anybody thinks that's the reason why they bought it I, I will disagree with you and we can we can take that uh you know offline and talk about it for hours i actually completely disagree that they bought it for the game they bought it for the people they yeah, bought it a thousand percent for infrastructure. They, fought, they bought it so that they can talk to the people they're building at the edge. Yep. What they should build at the core. That yep. is. So, what sensors should we put in Oculus Eight? Yep. You know, like and that's why they're doing it. This is why it's genius. This yep. is. So, by the way, this is the same thing that you want to think about. The, uh, Facebook didn't buy WhatsApp for WhatsApp. Of course, WhatsApp was great. They bought WhatsApp so they can build a better messenger. This is. This is. He's done it before, and they've thought through it before, and and this is something that if they you're absolutely right chris if they go head to head that would be a big mistake because ultimately you're you're stopping your own ecosystem but to be able to build for the ecosystem you either have to have two things and of course i'm not an ecosystem expert but what i've heard is you need two things you either need to be very connected to the community or you need to have members of the community in your leadership and one of those two things needs to exist and i think they're saying hey look it's really hard to always be connected as you grow and grow and grow to the edge of the community. So instead, why not have leaders within that community, the fitness VR community in the organization, leading at the front end, telling us what the community wants because they'll always be more connected than we could ever be. And it's just a different mentality. And I absolutely think he's going to win in this.
10: I Dr. think you are Dennis, looking
4: into you know, different- um, we just, just a quick one. Um,
10: we are looking, we are reading it differently. We are talking about like, his in his own words, it's all about interoperability. It's not in terms of the actual, you know, um, scenario that Apple has got the App Store. And then, uh, you know, it's gonna be ecosystem within itself. I mean, we cannot actually install Apple app like on any other platform. Uh, so in this scenario, it's very different. It's not somebody else XYZ is gonna coming up and another Metasphere. metasphere and, you know they ha- they have to talk to each other. We are talking about like a new version of the internet. We are not talking about like another, uh, you know, big giant tech company is going to be launching something, whether it be Oracle or Microsoft or Apple. It, it, they have to operate to each other. Otherwise, we won't be able to actually move from one to another. So it's an entirely different scenario. Yeah. Can I um? Can, can I throw I... this
7: out? Can I throw this out here? Just. Just for a thought, and you guys can let me know if I'm on the wrong track here, but. I don't know how many of you remember AOL when it first came out. You didn't hear
2: me make the sound, Irvin? Come on, that was only 10. 10- <laughs> <laughs> so anyway,
7: when AOL came out, you know, we all jumped on it because it was like, oh, wow, what a great idea. And we all had our little groups and we were talking and going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, AOL came out with the fact that this was the only way that we could connect with the, with the, to the Internet. And I said bullshit because they start charging for that. And I said, why are all these people paying AOL to AOL to get connected to the to the internet when you can just buy, get your modem, and you can get on it for free? My thing about what Mark is doing is that he's got a group. Yeah, Facebook fans are going to probably opt into this, but he's not gonna be the only person and why would I go to Facebook to get on Uh, the metaverse when I can create my own or get in with some other community. I just think that there's, there's a big disconnect for me here. Am I on on the wrong track or please let me know.
8: Yeah. Can I, can I inject some Clay Christensen kind of thinking about this? So Clay Christensen, as, as most people are aware, wrote a series of brilliant books uh, about innovation Um, and the way he characterized what we're parsing here is the difference between a walled garden and an open modular architecture. And so uh, genius or not, what is uh, being announced, I believe, and what we're witnessing with the acquisition of all this talent, and I agree 100% with Dr. Danish, that this is a talent acquisition as opposed to a product acquisition, is that he's aggregating the global talent in this space to race to create a walled garden masquerading as an open, mosque, uh, open modular architecture, and an open modular architecture allows people to play within a set of interoperability gl- guidelines, where the creator is fully supported economically by being able to participate with without huge on um, operation fees without a 30% tax in an app store. And, um, that would be an open modular architecture. I'm getting the red bar at the bottom. Am, Am I in the matrix? No, you sound good. Oh, okay. So, um, they, and and uh, while he was live, I had some great conversations with Clay about this very issue. And <clears throat> what is very clear is that creating a, a walled garden initially is much easier because there's no ecosystem to knit together. So the first uh, commercial manifestation of most new innovations occurs within a walled garden. And what happens is the overhead of a walled garden... Um, ultimately becomes higher and the ability of an open modular architecture uh, to um, overtake it because it has a faster rate of expansion because you can better entrain train the entire global community rather than the global community that you can afford to buy um, and it overtakes it in terms of functionality versus time and usability versus time. But you can't start with, it's very rare that you can start with that kind of open modular architecture uh, simply because you're relying on pieces of the ecosystem that don't yet exist. And if you're building yourself through acquisition, it's a much faster path to seize the market. So the big question is, is this really a path, as he said in the in the pitch, for supporting creators, or is it a path for entrapping creators and putting a tax on them similar to the App Store tax on Apple?
2: Well, somebody wrote, it's a great point, John, it's a, in a similar vein, somebody wrote an article about how he already says he's planning to hire 10,000 uh, people to join on, on the VR side. It's like he's got the, enough money to acquire as many people who have an interest in the space as possible to bring them all in-house and to try and... Uh, mono- What's the word I'm looking for? Um, monopolize just,
12: the market. Yeah,
2: monopolize the talent market. So because if that it's a, it, every... I mean, tech in general is a battle for talent, but within the within the metaverse, it really is. And I think Google kind of realizes this is an this AI, and they try and monopolize the AI talent to a degree. And I think uh, Mark's going to be incredibly focused on and willing to pay a premium for everybody in the in that market because if he can get a lock on it, then that will continue to uh, uh, flywheel for for you know months to come.
11: Hey, so no speculation here, but you know, um, having formerly worked for Accenture, and I am no—I mean, it's public. Uh, Accenture is huge at Facebook; they're one on one. Um, I mean, like if you walk around normally, when you walk around the Facebook campus, um, you don't know the difference between Accenture and Facebook employees. And they have, I mean, so Mark has a a ton of people behind him telling him what to do and how to market this and when to, to bring this up. I mean, come on, guys, you know, this whole thing is also a deflection of what's going on back east, right? I mean, so all of this is all good. And... Mark has amassed a very good leadership crew, and then he's got Accenture to tell him what to do and when to do it. So it's all very calculated. And I mean, Dr. Dennis, you're spot on. Dr. Friend, you're spot on. Uh, I mean, some, John, oh my God, spot on. You guys watch it go down. I tell you, whoever said, you know, this is going to be the next, the next, you know, internet bomb, you know, boom, it's true. I mean, you watch companies like Sun, who tried to do something by giving away Java, and what happened? They busted, right? Because really, their only thing that they really had a hold on was hardware, which was sold off to Oracle. So, I mean, this is fascinating, but God, it's going to change so fast in the next two years. So fast. Mark has it all mapped out.
6: And that's precisely why journalists are going crazy. Sorry, Tyler.
2: Yeah well there's the other thing is is that it's going to be ad network driven and in the same way that Microsoft's doing HoloLens Microsoft doesn't really have an ad network Facebook is fundamentally an ad network they can apply the ad network dynamics to this platform to this hardware and the shopping the AR shopping pot opportunity is so incredibly ridiculously big that it might he'll be able to uh, subsidize the cost of the hardware more than anyone else can because of that ad network um, except for somebody any another massive global digital ad network the the only other the only bigger digital ad network on the planet is google and google seems to be notably kind of a bit lagging on this uh from what we can tell we, maybe they have it uh, all figured out internally and that would be great if they do for the for the planet Uh, for another big company to be, you know, um, in this race. And Apple needs to build up a, I mean, they they certainly have the hardware chops. They're certainly obviously working on something, but they have a long way to go in the ad network side uh, and the data side, like what, what Facebook already has acquired and all of the social network data that they already have that can apply into this social commerce shopping thing man, they could bring the cost of these things down to an eye-wateringly, eye-poppingly, ridiculously cheap level, which would drive the ubiquity, you know, would drive the adoption of the hardware. And so that, that isn't the challenge. The challenge is making sure there's enough great content in the platform so that it it really sticks. And, and if it really sticks, then that flywheel really starts spinning. Um, cri- as, or, Chris,
6: as, yeah. I, as I and, keep and, going and, down um, this, I'm sorry they are the perfect company right because google is not google does have some sectors of its business that specialize in uh like andy likes to say human engagement and attention right but uh search is not a human engagement and attention type activity right it's very i need something i get it i need something i get it Um, whereas facebook and some of these other entities are good at stringing along the uh, intention and engagement. It's like, "Well, I just watched this. Well, get get ready for the next one we're going to show you." And, you know, they have the business relationships through their ad network where they probably do business with 90% of the companies on the planet, meaning whether you do advertising, you communicate through WhatsApp, you do their login services, they already have the established business relationships in one way shape or another. And, you know, to your point about Microsoft Microsoft couldn't even compete if they wanted to because they don't have the ad network to build out, right? So their customer base is completely different. The model is completely different. So uh, Facebook, I don't think any other company could be this company. And I'll shut up.
2: Okay. Well, we so got that's
6: all...
11: why they acquired Instagram, right? They acquired Instagram right at the right time, right? So they they doubled, they tripled, who knows what they did to their ad, their clientele, right? WhatsApp doesn't have ads yet. But it's all a big plan, guys.
2: Yep. So the next big article is uh, an Apple MacBook Pro 14-inch and 16-inch review by The Verge. Now that they've had their a week or so to play with it, they say it has incredible performance with very long battery life and beautiful displays, but expensive and absurdly Expensive RAM. Absurd RAM pricing, they said. Uh, Apple's new Pro laptops right the wrongs of the past half decade. Let's start simply the new MacBook Pros with M1 Pro and M1 Max chips uh, are um, have incredible performance. Long battery life. Beautiful displays. Are, are, are They are expensive and have abs- absurd RAM pricing. The Wall Street Journal also doing a comment on uh, Apple saying that Apple's VP of Mac and iPad uh, marketing, which is Tom Boger, says that Touch ID is more convenient than Face ID on laptops since users' hands are already on the keyboard.
6: I can attest to that, too. And then because you're using your fingers, you can do multiple uh, account login with different enrolled fingers. So... You know, if you have to segregate your work from, from personal, it's very easy. You just touch your thumb for your home account. You touch your, you know, index for your work if you need to set up another one. And, and sorry, to, sorry to jump on that, but I think that, that answers one of those issues is if you're using Face ID, you still need to tell the computer, okay, which account do I want to log into? Whereas I touch my thumb on my keyboard and it'll just switch automatically to that account. Um, I touch my index it'll switch I mean there's one or two extra clicks you know it's not like you touch your thumb and all of a sudden you've warped to your you know your personal computer but it's very convenient I'll shut up
7: okay
2: next up from CNBC I'm skipping one Cheryl because it's not so relevant Um, Microsoft had a nearly $2.49 trillion market cap at the close of Friday, passing Apple's $2.46 trillion market cap to become the world's most valuable public company. And we'll see how long they can stay ahead of Apple.
4: It's all driven by Teams. I've got to tell you, I hate that platform, but I see every single one of our customers using it. It's uh, Teams is is reigning supreme
5: this
2: goes back to chris's point like microsoft on enterprise is no joke <laughs> like companies use microsoft and um they still do all these years later and it, you know when they're going to use now that every, all the companies are doing a lot of remote stuff they're going to use teams
4: and it's such a crappy platform i just don't get it i don't know why i it's think it's so just bad it's
6: it's, it's, so the bad, bae, right? it's the bane. It's the bane and glory of everybody's existence, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess mean... it's
0: because enterprise cannot change so damnical. <laughs> if you can come to Japan and see how the civil service work, you 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 find they they just abandoned <laughs> floppy disk.
2: Oh, Japan just abandoned the floppy disk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Cheryl's making the point that when you're in Tokyo, you do feel like you're in a kind of a weird. Windows ninety five world in a weird way. It's uh, in a beautiful way, in the best way possible. Um, hey, hey,
6: Tyler, we have Ken down in the audience. he's okay. got his hand. Thank I'll you. Bring him up.
2: Okay, thank you, and Louis as well. I, and I think Louis wants to make a comment on uh, the metaverse. Go ahead, Louis.
13: Yeah, I, 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 I really love this room because it gives me an opportunity to talk about what we've been doing for years. It'll give you a little insight to what Facebook has been investing to companies that they don't own. So they've hired a lot of us to do these very experimental projects that I didn't understand till now I'm in this room. They actually gave us money to do interviews. They didn't even care that I was in 360. They just did it in 180. So it was very counterproductive to the technology development of 360 degrees of VR. But that's an argument of a different space. What was really interesting to me that this room's exposing is Facebook basically gave us the money so they could collect data on what videos would be interesting. They have a thing called venues, which is in the Oculus store right now. And they have probably thousands of videos that they've commissioned that make no sense, except for collecting the data of what people to enjoy. And I'll be specific. So you shoot this video. I shot these different videos and stuff. One of the videos was on lowriders. Now, why would Facebook want anything with lowriders? It made no sense to me, but they gave me a good budget, and I shoot this interview of lowriders and stuff like that, and I started to think they want the data on what the Latino community is talking about in the headsets when they're watching this interview of stuff that has no connection to their platform or universe. So they throw money at us to do these VR experiences lot of money in concerts so they're they're easily teaming up with all these very very high profile uh, musicians throughout the world funded to companies that have nothing to do with them and basically since we're not Facebook but they give us the budget Facebook owns it they have all the data and they're la- librarying it and it's my belief when the metaverse does come to fruition they're going to have thousands and thousands of videos that they pre-commissioned ten, 10, 20 years prior to when the metaverse really gets hot and popular, and I mean really, really good. And they're going to own all the content. I hope that gives you guys a vision on how much money they've been throwing at this for the last seven years. Oh, they want to like
2: be—they want to be the YouTube as well of the metaverse.
13: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yes. They've—they've they've been, they're, and they and, and the only reason we stopped doing this was because COVID messed everything up. Otherwise, oh, we'd
8: be shooting these every every single month.
2: That's crazy. I had not, not put those out t- together.
8: Yeah, and last time, Tyler, last time we went into sort of a deep dive on this, I don't know, a month or two ago, um, one of the things that we talked about is the fact that while Microsoft is going after the education and the business market, uh, conventional sort of enterprise, uh, and Facebook is going after the consumer, um, those who claim that what Mark's showing is not for them because they're not a gamer don't understand that, um everybody's child is going to be learning much more rapidly um with uh AR VR metaverse uh, tools everybody in industry is going to be retraining and retooling and reskilling based upon uh VR training it's already happening i mean the the, the ability for uh, for example uh training uh, an engine mechanic for a boeing engine is much faster in the vr world than in the real world and there that those kinds of use cases are going to drive everybody into the metaverse as table stakes for participating in the economy so any any sort of backlash that we hear from people oh that's you know that's just a gaming environment doesn't understand how pervasive it's going to be in education and in uh, professional training and skilling uh, of all sorts in in learning how to do collaborative robotics. Um, And so the the, uh, sales channel, the ad revenue of the metaverse is ultimately what's driving, as you pointed out uh, today and previously, is ultimately what's driving uh, Facebook's play in this space. Um, and they don't have to rely on just gamers alone to enter this space. It's going to happen through education and training.
2: Okay. I agree, 1000%. The education piece is so incredibly huge. Uh, the okay, next. Can I, can yes, I jump in on ben. the
14: Microsoft thing? Sure. Yeah. So so I, I know we like beating up on Microsoft, but uh, I use Microsoft Teams with enterprises a lot. And uh, some of the new features they're coming up with, while there's a lot of bugs, they're bringing in speech recognition. Earlier this year, they bought nuance. so if you take a look at microsoft 's acquisitions they 're doing some interesting stuff, and their growth is going to be driven by enterprise and of course LinkedIn right so once those two get integrated you 're going to see massive movement so don't don 't underestimate Microsoft
2: okay. <laughs> the next article is about Netflix from the verge it says. Netflix employees at the heart of the Dave Chappelle controversy file charges against Netflix. B. Peggles minor. Who's I remember that name. Cause that's the person who leaked the, the day the internal data, the, which is highly confidential, which she got fired for and may even get sued for if I recall correctly. Um, and who was, who was a, who's pregnant, a, I'm, somebody help me. Yeah. Uh, sh- oh, it says now It now it's telling more about her in this article. It says, B. Pagels Minor, a black trans program manager, was fired while organizing a walkout related to Netflix's support of Chappelle's comedy special, The Closer, which has been widely... It, mm, no. Oh, Jesus, Verge, come on. This is your job. Your job is journalism. Right, your job is to relay the facts to the reader. Now, watch. Now, B. Pagels Miner got fired for leaking the the data of Squid Game and uh, or the uh, Chappelle, the closer data to which uh, variety? I believe it was. Who was the uh, Ken? Will remember the name of the gentleman and the. Uh, it's Ken. Oh, Ken, you're it there.
8: It Lucas Shore at
15: Bloomberg, right?
2: What was his name? Luca Lucas. Shore yes, exactly right. Yes. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. so that that's why she got fired. You can't fire somebody for arranging a walkout. That's not legal. You can't do that. She got fired for leaking confidential information, which was really peculiar. It also said in that headline when it was r- revealed that she got fired, it didn't even it didn't say the person's name. It did say they were black. It didn't say if they were trans, but it did say she was pregnant. You remember that? I do. Yep. So now B. Pagel's minor, a black tr- trans program manager, uh, was, fired while organize- for, was fired while organizing a walkout related to Netflix support of Chappelle's comedy special The Closer, which has been widely condemned as transphobic. No, it hasn't. Uh, Some people, by the way, who's who's the lady who is uh, transitioned after appearing on the Kardashians, the Olympian Bruce Jenner, Uh, who's now known
4: Caitlyn Jenner, Caitlyn
2: Caitlyn. Jenner. Thank you. So Caitlyn Jenner has now come out to defend uh, David Chappelle, saying this is not transphobic.
15: But but, the reason the article is saying that I'm not saying Okay, what I'm saying, what I'm going to say is this. This is the U.S. divide. You're seeing the U.S. political divide here because the the the, the left wing media says it, it says Chappelle was transphobic, and then you know you know Caitlyn Jenner, despite her transition, is actually a Republican and very often takes a, a re- Republican position. So. Um, you know, so the, that, that article, if they're saying that, is just because of the political divide of the media, of this left-leaning leading media and this right-leaning media. And so you're seeing that bias right there.
2: Sure. So the article start. let me start at the top: it says, two Netflix employees at the heart of the Dave Chappelle controversy have filed labor charges against the company, alleging the streaming giant Netflix retaliated against them for engaging in a protected activity. Okay, B. Pagels, minor, a Black trans program manager, was filed while organizing a walkout related to Netflix support of Chappelle Show comedy *The Closer*, which has been widely condemned as transphobic. That's number one. Number two, Tara Field, a trans software engineer, was suspended after posting a viral tweet thread about the issue. Netflix said it fired Pagels for allegedly leaking confidential information. A charge they have categori- a charge they have categorically denied. What?
6: Categorically denied usually no. means they're guilty.
2: No, 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 no. This are, listen to the sentence, and this seems odd. Netflix said it fired Pagels for allegedly leaking confidential information, a charge they have categorically denied. How could they say it and then deny it?
4: Oh, I think they're talking about that oh, I... Pagel categorically the, the employees are denying that. The, yeah, the employees are de- denying that they leaked it. Ah, well, a
2: charge they meaning not Netflix, but the two trans folks who got you.
5: Okay, that's well, that's well, a no, weird... no,
15: no, but You have to be careful because, like, one of them, the second one, not her, the the the, the second one, apparently, I think initially got like suspended because she attended a meeting. Correct. That she... not
2: not attended, yeah. it stormed and interrupted and with. Well, the,
15: uh, well, yes. then, well I, don't, I don't, know about that. I mean, because they, they, that that's what they said. That's what Netflix said. I know, but then they walked that back and they reinstated them because, but apparently, because it was, it was like, they had technically, I guess, invited a wider berth of people than maybe than they wanted in that situation. So they, they didn't, they, they kind of walked it back. They had actually, I think reinstated the second person and maybe, maybe now they got rid of her for something else. So maybe I think that this, this, the leaks, um, continued after they got rid of the first person, so they thought the leaks came from the suburb. I don't, you know, th- th- there's, a, there's a lot there. You know, it's... it's th- these are not facts. These are newspaper articles. So let's take everything with sure. all of them. Yeah, yeah.
2: Here's the next sentence. The company said Field was suspended for attending a director-level meeting. She wasn't supposed to, though it reinstated her after finding no ill intent. In the charge, Field says she and hundreds of other Netflix employees have in, ha, were invited to attend the meeting. Now, the employees are filing unfair label, labor practice charges with the National Labor Relations Board. They say Netflix's actions were designed to stop workers from speaking out about their working conditions, including the desire to create a safe environment for Netflix staff. Here's a quote. This, char- this charge is not just about B and Tara, B meaning B. Pagels Minor. This is not about B. and Tara, and it's not about Dave. It's about trying to change the culture and having an impact on others, says attorney Laura Burgess. The charge is all about collective action. It's about supporting your coworkers and speaking up for things you care about. Filing with the NLRB supports the goal of collective action, but it's also an easier choice than filing in state court, as both P- Pagels Minor and Fel- Field signed Netflix employment agreements that require them to resolve disputes in private arbitration, a process that tends to favor the employer. This is common at large tech companies, though both Google and Activision Blizzard have recently ended forced arbitration due to employee organizing efforts. The NLRB investigates all charges it receives. If it finds the allegations have merit, it can try to secure a settlement or, if that fails, issue a complaint. For employees, the best case scenario, outside of settling is getting reinstated with back pay and forcing Netflix to post a notice that workers are allowed to engage in protected activity. In a carefully worded statement, Netflix implied Pagel's Miner was the source behind a Bloomberg story that contained internal metrics about how much Netflix paid for the closer. The narrative then spread in the media, though employees who spoke with The Verge said they didn't believe it was true. After Pagel's Minor was fired, Bloomberg continued to publish stories containing internal metrics about Netflix shows. Which
15: yeah, doesn't like, mean she wasn't the original leaker, because you don't know how much information she gave before correct. she got fired. And more impor-
2: but more importantly, Bloomberg isn't denying that she's the leaker.
15: Well, Bloomberg probably wouldn't deny or confirm, because they would never do that. Because you, as a journalist, you would never say anything. Right. Well, th- can,
2: they might tell things. netflix i mean he has a good re- i'm if they weren't if they didn't already think they know if if they're saying i would imagine if they next time they speak to lucas they'd be like uh that might have come up and he may or may not have it, if it wasn't that's a great question actually if it's not if the company's going out publicly and firing taking action and publicly stating this person did this, we fired them for it. If Bloomberg knows that wasn't the source, Bloomberg, I assume, would say,
5: actually that isn't our source. But you're right, maybe they wouldn't. Anywho, the next uh it's the next bit. B, who is 35 weeks pregnant,
2: is now about to lose their health insurance. And amidst all the stress I'm trying to take one day at a time and focus on my health. They said in an interview with the verge as a high risk pregnancy, I have to be careful. We don't even know what our health insurance situation is. And we are scheduled to well, be well,
15: but wait, but wait. here's the thing with that. That struck me on that statement. I mean, it's just, you know, she could always get Cobra for two months or three months. You know, because you, she's entitled to COBRA for, for 18, actually in California, longer than 18 months. In 18 months in the, in the other 49 states, in California, they have California COBRA. She could stay on Netflix health insurance for 36 months. I mean, she has to pay out of her own pocket, but she's only going to need it for a few months anyway. So she can still continue with Netflix health uh, health coverage. They can't stop that because of the what we call the COBRA laws, which basically for those who are not uh, Americans, um, me, mean that you get to continue your employer's health insurance, the exact same plan, with everything, um, you just have to pay the, uh, the, 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 the cost of it. I mean, which is not cheap by the way, but it's, it's, it's this, you know, if you're having I mean, a, I would absolutely think that m- most people would figure out how to come up with the money for Cobra for two or three months. And, were-
4: and more, uh, and, and even beyond that, Ken, she could always go on the healthcare exchange. They don't ask pre-existing conditions. I I know that literally go and do that as well. Just to be clear, because if if money is a problem, the healthcare exchange plans, while not being the most economical, I'm sure with her with her previous Netflix, Netflix salary, uh, she and I don't know her savings and all these things, but they take all of that into account. So they take into account how much money you have. Do you have a job actively? And those, those are not the most economical plans, but it's still something that she would have access to care. So I, I do want to be.
15: Dr. Danish, I mean, we, we don't want to go probably get a deep dive in this issue in a tech room, but in reality, cause I'm familiar with the, the, all of the, those issues is that um, they, there's generally like an exclusion when you, even, even for an ACA plan on like an immediate thing, there's like a, whatever, whatever that slight waiting period is for something that's pre existing and also the deductibles are very high. Uh, if you
4: actually start, it depends on the plan. Very like I've I've been. Uh, yeah, I I think I think you're you're not wrong, but you're also if she's actively pregnant, healthcare exchange will uh, will work for her, so they won't but deny coverage for that. So I I do want to be clear about this. The point here is more about the journalism, which is oh my god, she's losing her health insurance, which is not a fair statement. They should say. They should follow that statement up with saying because it you know it um again it's it's about the narrative that's being built which is we have a thirty five week year old uh thirty five week uh pregnant patient uh or person that has uh, is suddenly going to lose coverage because big bad Netflix is getting rid of her health insurance it's just not true like you said Cobra gets into place she has other options um I, I just feel like it's a uh, it's a way to make the story sound way, way worse. And I, I just don't think that's a fair characterization. Again, I actually don't know how I stay, where I stand on this. I'm just saying, like, using that as an excuse to make this problem seem bigger than it is is also not fair. I was just, I wanted to make sure that that was clear. But hang on, hang on, hang so on, hang on.
2: Just, talk, just an idea occurred to me here. If B. Pagels Minor wasn't the leaker and she's being fired for it while she's pregnant, And it's claiming I'm, you know, losing health care while I'm pregnant. Wouldn't she make a really strong case for demonstrating how she wasn't the leaker?
6: Exactly. And then there's also the California whistleblower law. I don't know if it would, you know, apply at this point, but she also has that. And and how
2: likely is it that Netflix would fire a, a pregnant person? Uh who is in the midst of them accusing Netflix of being supporting transphobicness like that they Netflix, ne- Netflix my point is this Netflix would be very the person is black trans and pregnant this is like the holy hat trick trifecta of people you don't fire this has never occurred before in the history of sensitive employee firings
4: in California.
2: In the history yeah, of firings on planet yeah. fucking Earth, there's never been a black trans pregnant person. That I mean, I don't know in that pyramid of you know sensitive people to fire at a tech company. Tech companies are particularly careful about firing uh, minorities around there's issues a that at black
6: elevate. Black elevator operator.
2: Uh, Particularly around pregnant people, particularly around trans people. Now you've got all three in one. I would go out and say that Netflix would not have accused this person and fired this person unless they were a thousand percent sure that they were the leaker.
0: Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they didn't know who she was, that they fired someone just, you know, low level person that, they thought was a liquor, right? So they probably didn't know the full information is of uh, who she is or who the person was, what the person's ethnicity and and you know uh, sexual. Well, they, they, they didn't
15: pick her at random. The o- the only issue that she may have is that they, they thought it was her because she was the one who was going to lead the employee uh, walkout uh, over the Chappelle thing, which that that she acknowledges. So you know, but I mean, they, they didn't pick her at random. Okay. That's for sure. Okay.
4: Yeah. And Messi. to your point that they may not have known, you know, uh, and this, this may come across a little insensitive, but there's only, you know, right now we have this huge issue in tech companies across the world that there's not that many uh, people of color that are in the ranks. There are not that many, uh, uh, you know, LGBTQIA uh, uh, plus employees. And so, They actually have lots of programs and they actually do tons of mentorship, especially in tech right now, to help foster that and grow that. So I would be in absolute shock if a California tech startup, you know, who, by the way, just, you know, uh, released the closer, which was, uh, you know, which which, uh, some people have found to be incredibly transphobic, did not notice that the person that's leading the walkout is a trans woman who is currently pregnant and a minority. I, I would be in absolute shock. Uh, so Messi, if you're right, they need a better HR team. <laughs> uh, it would be unreal for me to even envision that because that's not something that is that common within their organization, within any tech organization, to be honest.
14: Yeah, I can speak to that because all of that would be in, in her employee records, So. HR would have to give her a letter of termination and that would have shown up on the system. So there's no way they could not. I mean have they they
5: that. would need to have evidence. They couldn't do it on oh, right. on yeah. on, sus- on suspicion. Yeah. They yeah, can't do it. Yeah,
14: yeah, they, on no.
4: yeah. Yeah. There would have you to be grounds
14: to of they would have to be grounds of evidence in her termination in the termination document. By oh, the way, paper trail. Have to there say. would
4: need to be a paper trail like you can't just fire people. That's not how it works. I mean, Correct. You don't just say, oh, you did something. Do you know Like you need to have tons of documentation? Risk management usually gets into the conversation. They say, hey, uh, you know, do we have enough documentation to justify? Because remember, it wasn't that she quit. It's that they actually fired her. On grounds of being a leaker, they have said it publicly. You don't think that Netflix has a giant risk management team that's sitting there saying, Ugh, "Should we say these words? Are we sure? Because this is gonna bat, bite us in the back." It so much
2: <laughs> there it is. That's the conversation that happened. Is are are we the lawyers are asking? Are we a thousand percent? Do we actually have hardcore evidence to, before we go through this? Because if not, it's not worth it.
14: Yesterday, yeah, because the, wrong, the, 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 the wrongful—yeah, sorry—the wrongful dismissal uh, lawsuit that would come back if they didn't have it would cost Netflix hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in a case like this. So they would have done their due diligence on it for sure. So Field, the uh,
5: ha- Field, has applied for
2: medical leave from Netflix. Since speaking out, she has received a credible death threat and been doxed. This is what happens with trans people. We're tolerated as long as we're quiet, but if we speak up, we get harassed, she says in an interview with The Verge. It has been a really stressful few weeks, but I intend to keep fighting for our community. Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos is continuing to stand by the special, although he's walked back previous claims that the content on the screen doesn't directly translate into real-world harm. Earlier this week, The Verge investigation found that in 2020, Netflix suppressed search results after the controversy around the firm cuties oh you're going, you're bringing up your all your previous completely idiotic article about that again are you the trans employee resource group released a list of demands ahead of the october 20th walkout they want netflix to invest in trans creators and revise internal process on commissioning potentially harmful content in a statement emailed to the verge after the original publication of this article a netflix spokesperson denied Retaliating against employees. Yeah. We recognize the hurt and pain caused to our trans colleagues over the last few weeks, but we want to make clear
5: that Netflix has not taken any action in, against employees for either speaking up or walking out. And it, it doesn't
2: appear to me that they have. It appears they fired somebody for leaking information that would have happened to anybody. Uh, I will that? say
4: that with with Tara Field, that suspension seems like an overreaction. Uh, just want to speak. This is my personal. I, I have no idea all this. Again, I expect because if, if by the way, just to be clear, if those kinds of conversations are happening at my tiny little company. She, like, she wasn't. she. I, went, hang on. <laughs> I, I,
2: you're, I don't think she was, she says she's applied for medical leave from Netflix, meaning she's back at Netflix.
4: Well, she was suspended initially, and then right. they took that. They reinstated her. Correct. So the point is that that seems like that may have been an overreaction to something that she attended a meeting she wasn't supposed to. They could have had a conversation. There was not this long paper trail. She put right. out a tweet Great point. Was, uh, You know, talking about yeah. it. And so I feel like that – so we that, you know what happened was somebody got upset. Risk management, again, Correct. these are lawyers and, Correct. and people that understand press and PR. Yep. They came in. They were like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. Let's make sure we don't do this. Correct. And now, what happened, though, just to be clear, Netflix will pay for Tara Fields' situation because I 100% believe that she probably has been attacked uh, on social media. I believe she has been attacked otherwise, and I feel sorry for what she's going through. And I actually do not suspect that this is all... Made up. I actually do believe she's going through hell right now because for no reason she was brought into the middle of all of this, and it's a very different. And I, I feel like what's what's really interesting is uh, if if again I can't speak for her. I understand uh, what what she's doing now, but you know by combining it with uh, with the other complaint, I think it's kind of uh, making it murky. I feel like she has a much better case to go after Netflix and say what the hell, guys. <laughs> Why? Why? Why am I getting completely annihilated here for going to a meeting I wasn't supposed to?
2: Correct. Yeah. Well, right. And that's where the lawyers step in and say, "Hey, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's look at the books. Let's make sure. Let's do a real proper." And they, which they were already meeting about uh, the other person, anyways. And and in the other case, it was clear, cut and dry, clear. You know, a clear decision. And in this case, it's you know. Uh, well, you know what, maybe not, but that maybe we should be, you know, err on the side of caution here. And so the person came back and now she is filed for medical leave. That, that's why I interrupted you is because I think, I see what you're saying though is the initial reaction might've been a little bit of a overreaction. And which the, I think the the legal team stepped in to say exactly that. And that's the point, is if the legal team is stepping in to be the umpire and call the balls and strikes, uh, as they've done here with uh, Tara Field and said that, you know, you shouldn't have suspended them. They should be brought back in. They were brought back in. Great. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, calling balls and strikes. And on the other case of uh, B. Pagels Minor, the legal team, Didn't uh, feel it was necessary to err on the side of caution because they almost certainly have the facts like the legal. I can understand how the non-legal team might do something like that. That, you know. But that's just not going to pass the legal team unless you have the until you unless you have actual proof, unless they have (laughs) if if they do not have concrete, actual court proof, the legal team in no way would let them do that.
4: And by the way, it's not just Lucas at Bloomberg or whatever his last name is, you know, uh, saying like, hint, hint, like wink, wink, they must have something that is beyond reasonable doubt that she did this. I mean, again, just to be clear. uh, Yeah, because you you can't do it on suspicion. Yeah, exactly. You, You have to have like a crazy paper trail to be able to get rid of any employee at a tech company. It's just the way it is. You get you put yourself like why would people don't realize this? But, you know, um, if Netflix ever wants to take on debt or if they ever want to do anything, the first question they're going to say is, hey, do you have any personnel legal cases currently underway? And a lot of that is seen as a risk on the organization. And of course, they're public. They must have a 100 of 100 different lawsuits going on at the same time. But personnel lawsuits, they they, they go much deeper. Uh, because they can really quickly lead to unions. They can really quickly lead to a lot of other downstream stuff. And so just want to, you know, I, I, I know N-
15: Netflix is worth like a tr- uh, almost a trillion dollars or something in the market. Eight hundred, it's hundreds of billions. They do they, they don't they have no problem getting financing no matter what lawsuits they have. I mean, it just doesn't matter. I mean, so tomorrow,
4: Ken. So tomorrow, if the Netflix employees come back and they say we want to unionize, can you and I now? I'll let you know how that looks because I can tell you that's going to hurt. Their I, I know that it will hurt the They're stock hurt. price, but they will still exactly. always be able to get debt financing during the, when you're in that situation. i was giving that as an example. I was just saying, okay. like, let's say they ever wanted to go private. If they ever wanted to do anything else, sure they could do it, but it would affect their market cap. And I don't know about you, but there's very few companies that want their market cap to go down significantly. I know it was, their I'm their employees
15: have it, it hurt their market market cap a little. But look, look at Amazon, and they've got a lot of um, union unionization issues. I mean, you know, it's hard to like figure out where it's hurt their market cap. I mean, because the, these are things that Wall Street more or less, you know, takes it takes in, in in strides to, to a large extent until it becomes a, a, a much deeper issue because you would have already seen it with amazon and you have did it. you
4: see uh, so i'm, I'm going to push back again because did you see what happened to their market cap when the unions uh, struck it when the unionization vote was struck down did you walk, you can i'm happy to send you in the back no no i, I, I it,
15: it, it's it's a little it's a, it's still but it's still a huge market cap so it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's it's when you when it's that big it, 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 it just impacts it, so, it somewhat maybe, but it's, 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 it's not like
14: and being a startup.
4: So, sorry, not,
14: Ken, Danish, that, Dan company, Danish.
4: One second Vinay, I just wanted to make this last point and then you can take over Vinay. But I was gonna say that when you are the people that are in leadership, no market cap is big enough. So I will push back with that, but go ahead Vinay. So.
14: Yeah, I don't think it's a market cap issue as well. Uh, it's not just a market cap, because if they keep having these lawsuits, going to struggle to hire talent. Um, people are not going to want to join companies where you're seeing lawsuits after lawsuits happening, right? Have that challenge. They're struggling in certain parts of their business to bring lateral hires. That's why they're going and bringing in a lot more junior people in the company. But just keep in mind, in the war for talent, this doesn't look good if they've got all of these lawsuits
4: happening. That's a very fair point. Yeah, the talent wars right now are so real. Netflix is paying you know, one-third to one-half of people's salaries just to get them in through the door. So uh, it's uh, you're absolutely right. That will make it more challenging. And that's a fair point. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Next up from Foreign Affairs. Uh, the, the headline says, how the, re- how the rhetoric surrounding techno-globalism has shifted from countries advocating for a free open internet to imposing limits to protect national interests, aka Sovereign Cloud. Well, I added that last part about Sovereign Cloud, but that's clearly what they're implying here. It says they only give the first two paragraphs in their paywall here. It says two key words were missing from the statements that followed the inaugural in-person summit in September of the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, also known as the Quad, which features Australia, India, Japan, and the U.S. The first absent word was predictable, China. Although the country's growing strength is the clear geopolitical impetus for the Indo-Pacific grouping. Officials are at pains to portray their efforts as positive and not about containing a rival. The other omitted word, however, was both less obvious and more important. The four governments released a joint, a set of joint principles on technology emphasizing shared values. And a couple of other more important quotes here is where it says, the democratic countries... Where technoglobalists were once unrestrained in their advocacy of open Internet now have become preoccupied with technology's risks and efforts to piece together an international democratic rights respecting coalition on technology governance will fail if they do not acknowledge that such a project is inherently a global one.
3: Mm,
2: no, not really. We could kick Russia out in a heartbeat. And that would probably be a great thing. So uh, it's a great point, though. This is happening. The The initial premise is correct uh, in the headline about how it used to be just this wild assumption that we would have this big open global Internet. And now countries are getting f- wise about data. They've un- started to understand data and how it works. And so now they are doing what countries do, which is security, 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 security at all costs, securities over freedoms. I mean, that's just kind of this endless going process. And some more than others. China, on obviously, is the most extreme. But um, yeah, we're it's we're going to start seeing two. I've I've been saying in this room for quite a while that we will eventually see two different internets. Which is China's internet will uh, start to grow into other territories. We're seeing it right now grow into Hong Kong. There every day. There's more headlines every single day. The most recent ones yesterday was that China's now putting in. Tighter restrictions on the films in Hong Kong, both in theaters. So they can't, there's certain films they can no longer have, they can no longer watch in Hong Kong, just like in mainland China. In mainland China, there's films you can watch and films you can't watch. And actually, it's more simple than that. There's just films you can watch. They approve everything you have access to. And they're now expanding that into Hong Kong. And what's so interesting about that is, Films exist in both physical world and digital. And so they are this interesting um, kind of amphibious, you know, in in the evolutionary metaphor. They're kind of amphibian. Film is sort of amphibious in terms of being both digital and physical. And if you're banning films, and China is banning films that they don't like, and more importantly, they're whitelisting films they don't like because it's impossible to constantly blacklist films. It's far easier to whitelist films. So they're whitelisting the films that the Hong Kongers can now view and in theaters and, more importantly, online. And now you are stepping into the digital realm of the Internet where you're bringing the Chinese Internet, which is basically just like films. It's every website and every app in China, is whitelisted. There's no point in trying to, like Russia's trying to do, of blacklist things they don't like. You're going to play whack-a-mole for the rest of your life. There's just an endless tens of millions of sites to ban. It's just impossible. It's far, far simpler to do what China does, which is whitelist, and you just approve the properties that you approve, and everything else is banned by default. And if something good comes along, you approve it. And anything else comes to God that you want to approve, you can approve it. So they're doing this with films both offline and online. That means they're now bringing a piece of the Great Firewall of China to Hong Kong. And inevitably, they will bring the whole Great Chinese Firewall to Hong Kong and to other territories, perhaps. Macau, no doubt if they ever took Taiwan, they would bring it to Taiwan. And the countries where they are doing heavy investments, like Pakistan, like Sri Lanka, they might include it, or parts of Africa, where they bring their own 5g infrastructure their huawei towers and china telecom into africa and their central bank digital currency which they're also bringing through the belt and road initiative they might make their uh, internet as part of the package so it'll this is my point about the bifurcation the balkanization of internet yeah it's happening it's happening on the data level where countries are becoming um understandably concerned and taking a lot of action around controlling the data in their in their sovereign territories or geographies it's called sovereign clouds. I mean this has been going on for quite a few years now and we've read the articles here of those contracts and it's Amazon and Google and Microsoft, the three usual suspects all pitching every country on the planet let us you know provide your sovereign cloud for your country for all of your data that happens in your country. And the, 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 those articles are very interesting because some of them have gone into details as to how they work. Where they, uh, in Germany, for example, they allow Deutsche Telekom, who's a German company, to be the gatekeeper, the abundsman, the you know uh, the custodian of the cloud for Germany, on a technical basis. Google provides the infrastructure, but all of the keys and permissions are all managed by Deutsche Telekom. So it's it
8: is cloud, hey,
12: yeah.
8: Yeah, if I if I can inject something that you've alluded to in the past as well, um, because it's it's very germane to what you're building as an argument, and that is that these sovereign clouds are in part a reaction to the U.S. hegemony in the Fang infrastructure. I, yeah. But 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 it, it, there's a different way lens to look at it through. There it it, it wouldn't matter where those companies originated as as a nation state and a home base. It just happened that Silicon Valley was ahead of the rest of the world in developing these things. But sovereign nations would have rebelled against any multinational of the type of a FANG member from any region of origin. And just as you pointed out with India and, and other countries who are trying to get their own unicorn factories rolling, um, there's an opportunity there. And part of it really becomes the centrality of data ownership and data management. And so it this is almost a battle between nation states and multinationals more so than it is between nation states and the first nation state to really capitalize on the tech revolution. Uh, Tyler, real quick and, and to John's
6: point, um Faraz used to talk about this a lot when he was in here, but the Cloud Act, uh, that that allowed, you know, basically any Any U.S.-based companies that had servers anywhere, uh, the U.S. had the ability to access those servers, I believe. Uh, How much do you think that leads to this, uh, John and and Tyler, in this discussion? Um, The fact that the U.S. seemed to have uh, sovereignty over the infrastructure of the FANG network. Sorry about the kids screaming. um, And and allowing, you know, the U.S. uh, authorities in wherever these servers were at. Do you think that
5: leads to a lot of these issues as well? I wasn't paying close uh, attention. I,
8: I, I had an incoming, I can, t- Tyler, if you want to take a crack no, at it. I didn't, go ahead. I didn't hear the full question. I, I did not hear the full question. I heard the oh, question. That? I can
9: I can do a real quick uh, thing about that because um, in Sweden, for instance, the uh, authorities and uh, regional governments do not accept uh, any more um, cloud providers, AWS, Azure, um, Google, as service providers, so if you are a health company and you go in and say, "Hey, we want to start serving your, uh, you know, your, your patients," they'll just say no, because your your stuff is in the wrong place. I mean, it's uh your your cloud the cloud provider headquarters in the state, so we're just not going to do this. Um, so but there are many who are already doing because there there are agreements that need to kind of be, uh, that are still in force because they've been procured but when they are when they run out that's when the switches are going to start happening the the procurements are going to have that as a requirement uh so that's just maybe one aspect of that and i've heard it also in france when we were there talking with some public actors so and they are usually really uh particular about that but yeah it's it's going on
2: Okay, next up is a New York Times piece about Andreessen Horowitz. And before I read the headline, some inc- critical context that no doubt will be missing from this article, which is, in the battle between journalism and tech, uh, the, the tip of that spear on each side, uh, uh, representing team journalism, is the New York Times. The New York Times is the most aggressive towards big tech. On big tech side, um, the outfit that ha- that is most kind of representative of big tech and how it fights journalism is Andreessen Horowitz, who f- is the main investor of Substack, which is where the they are enticing journalists to leave big tech the the big journalistic uh, outlets like the New York Times, very notably, and where in fact, um, what's her name, uh, Reese, uh,
5: not what's her name, not Gabby oh, he's Reese.
15: About, I, I know who you're talking about. Um, yes. Uh, the, um, Barry or Barry? Barry, from, Barry Weiss, uh, thank you, yes. Barry Weiss Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss. Barry
2: Weiss. Barry Weiss did leave the New York Times and now is on Substack as an example. And Substack, the main investors, is andreessen Horowitz. And that journalist, see Substack... And
15: for those who don't know, Andreessen Horowitz is, I think, the main funder of Clubhouse, right?
2: Correct. And they're the main funder of... Crypt, of uh, in terms of VCs, they are by far one of the most active VCs in the crypto space. And they clearly... Uh, have no love for uh, the New York Times specifically and kind of this anti-tech journalism. They've been the most outspoken, let's say, uh, against it. And so when we read the headline that I'm about to read by the New York Times about Andreessen Horowitz, you can bet everything in your crypto bank account that this is going to be not a a very friendly um, down-the-middle piece. Um, this is their main what they see as one of their main enemies. So with that having been said, here we go. It says uh, big hires, big money and a DC blitz. The bold plan to dom- dominate crypto. The Silicon Valley firm Andreessen Horowitz, whose founders played big roles in the development of the Internet, aims to own a huge part of digital currency world and set the rules for it, too. There was a lunch at the French Bistro near Congress with Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York and a meeting with some of President Biden's top executive aides. Then came a private dinner with a major financial regulator. The topic was always the same, how to win the future in the global race for cryptocurrency dominance, at least from the perspective of Andreessen Horowitz, the Silicon Valley venture capital firm that dispatched a team of Washington insiders to make its case during a recent five-day lobbying blitz. At a moment when technology companies have a bad odor in Washington. And as the fast-evolving crypto industry is drawing increasing scrutiny from lawmakers and regulators, Andreessen Horwitz is pursuing a particularly audacious plan to both own big chunks of the emerging world of digital currencies and have a hand in writing the rules for how it will operate. To push its agenda, the firm has hired an array of experienced government hands. They include Tomika Till- Tilleman, a former aide to Mr. Biden, When he was a senator, Katie Hahn, a one-time Justice Department cryptocurrency prosecutor, and Brian Quintenez, who joined the effort just days after leaving the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, a crypto regulator. Already in recent, Horowitz, also known by the nickname A16Z, has funded at least 50 crypto startups with several new deals announced weekly, making it the largest crypto investor globally. The summer... This summer, it set up a new $2.2 billion investment fund to profit off the rapid growth of cryptocurrency and the technological and financial architecture behind it. It also has a major investor. It also is a major investor in Coinbase, one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges, along with a number of newer startups. The firm has brought on so many people with industry expertise that the hiring spree has become a running joke on Twitter. The vision that Andreessen Horowitz founders... Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz are pursuing is to be at the center of the booming new ecosystem of digital technology that will disrupt industries as varied as art, banking, finance, gaming, e-commerce, music, social media, and telecommunications. The regulatory proposal highlights issues with general bipartisan support overcoming China's head start in digital currency and payments, reclaiming America's role as a leading technology innovator and expanding economic opportunity. Here's a quote. To the extent policymakers can get access to good information, that is going to help them solve their problems and also enable the next generation of the Internet to flourish in a way that that's going to be good for us. Mr. Tilleman said that's mutually beneficial. But the proposals outside experts who have examined them say are far more about self-interest than social or national benefits. Did I tell you this was going to be a hit piece? It didn't sound like it for the first four paragraphs, did it? But here it comes. <laughs> Rest assured, I told you to go ahead and bet everything in your bank account, did I not? Yeah. Here it comes. Good old, you never let us down, New York Times, with your endless jihad here. You just you just can't help yourself. <laughs> um. But the proposals outside experts who have examined them say are far more about self-interest than societal or national benefits. Here's a quote. This is pretty nakedly transparent attempt to benefit their bottom line, said Lee Reiners, a former sep- uh, supervisor of systemically important financial institutions at the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Draft legislation A16Z is circulating would give The companies it has invested in a leg up by exempting related entities from certain tax reporting, consumer protection, and anti-money laundering requirements. Here's another quote. This is a classic case of asking the fox to design the henhouse, says Rohan Gray, a a finance lawyer and law school professor who has advised congressional Democrats on legislation to regulate digital payments that is pending in the House. Uh, They say things in a way that sounds reasonable, but it involves them essentially giving up very little in the public interest. Rachel Horowitz, a spokesperson for A16Z, said, the company welcomed this debate. We are making big bets on founders and ideas with the potential to shape the future in the hope that they'll topple the gatekeepers and middlemen of the past, she said. From its inception in 2009, Andreessen Horowitz has trumpeted a different approach to venture capital, blah, blah, blah. It promoted the cult of the founder, the idea that hard-driving entrepreneur who start a company are best positioned to lead, and instead of just supplying capital, it offered help with re- recruiting, sales, and marketing. And then they just go on to talk about the foundations of Andreessen Horwitz. Uh, as venture capitalists, Mr. Andreessen and Mr. Horwitz aggressively raise money and outbid rivals, blah, 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 blah. Andreessen Horwitz models itself after a Hollywood ta- talent management firm, Creative Arts Agency, which embrace the outsized ambitions of representing every Hollywood star, blah, 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 blah. And they just go on and on with the hit piece. And the main assertion in this piece is, which is totally patently absurd on the face of it, is that they're somehow trying to carve out special exemptions for their portfolio companies with their uh, proposals that they are taking through their Washington lobbying efforts,
5: which anyone
15: – It probably is mostly true because you have to think about something. Idrissian Horowitz has a lot of outside investor capital, which they're a fiduciary for, okay? And you just don't go out and spend you know all of that money – on, on a social cause that you might happen to, uh, you know, like or something, they obviously think it's in the benefit of their um, the companies they've invested in and their funds investors. That's why they spend this money. I mean, yep. not that there's anything wrong with that. So let's be but, logical you know, and
2: rational about this for a second, Ken. They they already invest in fifty crypto companies, which cover every aspect of the crypto space. It's okay. Right. Yeah. Huh? So, so it's so, so, it's going to be there. Each of those companies have dozens of very direct competitors. It's going to be oh, nigh right. nigh impossible. The
15: only, the only sentence I got wrong in the whole thing is that you can't really write a piece of legislation that just benefits their companies, correct. Versus all the other ones. Precisely so you, you the are point. Correct in that one sentence. Yes. But generally, they are not doing this at, out of some sort of um, correct you know, social endeavor. They're doing it because of Ob- all. Your-
2: that's obvious. Uh, capitalists are going to capitalize, but to make the the point of this article is is not that the the point of the article is that they're trying to carve out special exemptions for their companies. That just isn't fucking possible. That I mean, uh, well, again, I, I,
3: I don't agree with that. I, go I, ahead, I think Donna. That's exactly what they're trying to do. How would they you have, how would you make an exemption
2: for Coinbase okay. and not? No, no, Kraken, for Climb example. Coinbase
3: is not the issue. Coinbase is No, not let's, the let's go
2: ahead and address what came out of your mouth Climb and address my already, question.
3: Coinbase is already a public company. Where they're focusing is where the regulation is coming down, which is on DeFi. Right. They are the largest. Well, now you just contradicted yourself. No, no, no. They, 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 the regulation is going to come down on DeFi. They want to mitigate that and they want to have things like. Hester Pierces, you can hang around for three years and then we'll see if you're sufficiently decentralized. Um, 16Z understands their fundamental problem, which is why they gave hundreds of millions of voting rights, governance voting rights, to universities while keeping the tokens themselves. They know that those voting rights, if they were to have them and to also then vote for a distribution they're right in securities land, and all that stuff needs to be listed on securities exchange. They have; they are the key drivers of DeFi, and that is where they want Great. to. That's not what we're talking about. Regulation.
5: Yeah, that's
2: okay. that's a lovely conversation that we're not having. The conversation we're having over here in tech news around the world at the moment is, how on earth could you try and get policies that benefit, for example, to be very specific, Coinbase, but not of their nearest competitor, for example. Kraken.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, Coinbase is a public company. Kraken is about to be a public company. If they wanted to, what they would try and do is get all of the tokens that are DeFi tokens to get soft touch and be able to be, continue to be trading on Coinbase without having to be listed uh, on a securities exchange and get rid of all of the things like uh, transfer agents and everything else like that. Now, that's not to say it won't benefit Kraken, but it clearly would benefit Coinbase first because Coinbase is, in, is a public company. It's already listed in New York and New, and Kraken, New York people cannot trade on Kraken. Right. So I do think there are there are significant things that they can do. Coinbase is but one example of what they want to do. Also, being able to have Coinbase lend. Coinbase but lend policy, as we know, was declared to be a securities by the securities uh, 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 yes. SEC and didn't let them go through on that. Right. So where did, the, where did that want to compete with? That wants to compete with all different other kinds of institutions like Gemini. Gemini has a program, but it did it differently. It got all kinds of state approvals where, where Coinbase did not. So I, it's, I see Coinbase as one little teeny tiny thing of which they've already sold a portion of their stock, whereas the real key returns to new funds are coming from DeFi, which you think is not the the point of the conversation here.
5: So the issue is if they were to make uh,
2: proposals that benefit specific companies and not uh, how to phrase this? It would pre prevent them from doing further investments in space. So if you start to create or try to propose legislation that benefits the, the few companies that you have in this space, you're
5: no longer able to invest in the space.
3: What wouldn't the new companies follow the same trajectory?
2: No, because you don't, you're not, as an investor, you're not going to invest in something that so directly competes with something you've already invested in.
3: Oh, well, that's not true with 16Z. They invest in so many projects that are, that are, that compete with one another on the assumption that some of them, not all of them, will be the winners. I mean, they have, and that's the case of most of the crypto companies. So, so many people are investing in a half a dozen, a dozen kinds of gaming type companies, some with NFTs, some without NFTs in all different ways. Most of them have invested in almost every single platform for NFTs. Why? If you happen to have one or two of them, see, you're good. So they don't really care. They, they, they just want to get in.
4: But Donna, isn't that a good thing?
3: Uh, yeah, I think the competition is a great thing.
4: Yeah. So the fact that you know, because the the whole idea here is, and, and you know, just to be clear, uh, you know, I have no dog in this race. We don't get any funding from them or anything like that. I just, I just think that the one thing that they have done is they look at, and and by the way, that article is not wrong. They do look at themselves as a talent agency. They do. Uh, the way they they you, when you engage with them, when you have conversations with them, uh, they they treat founders with incredible amounts of respect they have a great rep about not screwing over founders and, and you know and there's a reason why all the founders do want a6 and z behind them outside of just the media machine and the pr machine and the lobbying and all of that they, they they understand that their target market is you know is is the startup not uh you know not just their LPs. They they look at it very differently but what I was going to say is when you're looking at the crypto market and, th- and they say, hey, we want DeFi to be uh, or sorry, when you're looking at DeFi, they say, that, look, we're not going to say you're a winner, you're a loser. We're going to make everybody rise together because we believe this needs to exist in the world. And they've taken or forget about that, whether they believe it needs to exist, they believe it will exist. And so they just, you know, like Ken said, they have a fiduciary responsibility to support that. But to, to try to make the claims that they are trying to pick winners and losers is literally not looking at their, just like just like a talent agency has multiple actors that could win, uh, you know, best actor. They believe that multiple people can win in a in an industry, and it's not always a winner take all. So, I just don't think that that's a fair characterization of A16Z. That's just not the way that they they go. Even if you've ever interacted with them, I think it's easy to speak about them without actually interacting with them. When you interact with them, they their approach, like in the last two weeks, they've supported four different companies that are in, for example, the primary care space. And it's because they believe primary care is important and they see that it's the obvious next step. And so, you know, I, I just think that uh, we have to be a little bit careful depersonalizing them. This is a group of people that are founders themselves. And the reason why they exist is not just from this sort of... Uh, a weird, like, hey, we're going to go out there and and form a world we care about. They just want to make money.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, the, and and the one thing I would say about making money is that the ability to make money in the DeFi or in the let's just say the crypto space with these new tokens, they've never seen something that makes money as quickly as they've been able to because they're getting, they're getting their 1050x in less than two years whereas normally you know to get that kinds of return the the timeline is much more and that's where some of the rub comes in their view their regulatory view which is they want the they want the incubation period or whatever would be to determine whether or not something is sufficiently decentralized or or a security or anything else to be to be you know <clears throat> as flexible as possible to be able to get these tokens off their books as soon as possible because then, 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 then they book the return, which is why not only them, most of the crypto, f- crypto funds are able to raise so much money so quickly because where would you be able to say that you're getting 30X in a year and actually getting it?
4: <laughs> so on that note, one thing that they're going to do, likely, I, I do not have any knowledge of this, but just seeing what Sequoia did last week, Tyler, we're going to see these evergreen funds really pick up. We're, you're going to see this happen. It's a natural thing. And so some of the things, Donna, that you're saying that could be perceived as negatives will essentially become a wash because they'll follow that and they don't need to make an immediate return for their LPs in that way. Uh, and I think that's going to allow this to, this ecosystem to build further. Sorry, Tyler, go ahead.
2: No, no, I think Donna was exactly right on her last point. Uh, and I think that's the crux of it. I think that's the 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 meat, the the, the heart of what they if they have a list, a wish list in Washington, it must certainly be that, which are these much more um, industry-wide issues that they want to address rather than issues relevant to particular one of their 50 or uh, trying to cherry pick particular regulations for each of their 50 companies. So, Because uh, I, she, she's, she's exactly right about uh, the bigger issue is Uh, can they operate and uh, continue to rake in the incredible windfall that can happen through crypto Um, because she's right this whole you know the rate of growth for lack of a better word rate of return might be the right word the rate of return that they're seeing is you know a, a vc's dream come true and it's that must be their priority when they're having these meetings. Not, we have to look out for company one through fifty.
8: Yeah, Tyler. If I could add to that, um, so yeah, the multiples on investment that they make is driving them. The crypto and DeFi space has uh, created unprecedented opportunities for rapid MOI. Um, the the one thing I want to say is, if you look at really successful companies, uh, say, you know, a Facebook, a Google, an Apple, and you look at their trajectory. I mean, take Apple a, as an example, the fits and starts and the pivots and the turns and the leadership changes and the return of Steve Jobs and how many critical things there were in that pathway. And then you look at what an early startup represents is talent and passion and and creativity. Um, and when, when you look back, when you turn the clock back and look at what made them successful, there were so many things in any one of these big companies <clears throat> where crucial decisions were made shrewdly at exactly the right moment to get them to where they are. So the point of that digression is that when you invest in early startups, you can have a brilliant, creative, pras- passionate, talented team. But if there's 10 others just like them tackling the same goal the same platform one or two of them are going to make those critical decisions at exactly the right moment moment more than once and end up being at the top of the stack so given that kind of economic architecture in the life cycle of different startups it it only makes sense to invest in competing talent groups Um, And where you can aggregate them great, where you can't aggregate them, let let it play out and provide some uh, knowledge and experience of uh, like Andresen Horowitz does to those who are early in the game. Um, But betting on a single horse in any space is is a very dangerous thing because of the long journey to get to uh, a big success.
2: Next up is what do we got? Uh, Nick Clegg, this is Wall Street Journal. Nick Clegg, Amy Klobuchar, Josh Hawley, Chris Hughes, Clay Shirky. That's a random mix of names there. And others on how to reform social media platforms and limit their harm. This could be interesting. How to fix social media. Revelations about Facebook, Instagram, TikTok have highlighted the problems posed by the biggest social media sites, what would it take to reform the platforms and limit their harm? Amy, and then there's a a bit by Amy Klobuchar. There's a bit by Nick Clegg, and there's a bit by Clay Shirky, which that's the one I would pay first close attention to. Actually, Nicholas Carr would be the last one I'd look at, and then Sherry Turkle, and that's it. So it's a, it's a five. Bits in one. The Amy Klobuchar one should be very good as well. Uh, no more blind trust in big tech. If you have a Facebook account, your data brought in $51 to Facebook last quarter. And we And it says we need transparency and action on the algorithms that govern so much of our lives. Good luck with that. And what else? Yeah, so they had different people write different pieces. Nick Clegg, who's from Facebook, says... Uh, the, Facebook can't do it alone. If Facebook didn't exist, these issues wouldn't magically disappear. Absolutely right. Fantastic point. <laughs> these issues existed in the, didn't start happening uh, only when Facebook came into being. Um, Clay Shirky says slow it down and make it smaller. Yep, that's how you do it. That's the reasonable way to do it, understanding the limitations of government. Uh, government, you're not going to get into the algorithms. You're never, ever going to be able to understand the algorithms or be able to deal with the algorithms. That's just not going to happen. So um, you do what you are able of doing. You're going to be able to break the companies up into smaller pieces and slow them down. And so that's the approach you should take. Pretending like you're going to be able to do anything with the algorithms is absurd. And you stop talking like that. It, that's just re- Poppycock! Silly talk. Could you repeat the source
8: of <clears throat> all of those uh, writers that you're yeah, referring to? This is a
2: Wall Street Journal post that Cheryl has pinned to the top of the room, right there.
8: Okay, great, thanks.
2: It's called "How to Fix Social Media: Revelations About." Fa- it's, so it's they just got random folks um, from very different aspects. You know, one is from Facebook, one's from the government, one's um, a legit kind of geek. Um, philosophizer, and you know, there's just a really interesting mix of, of folks there. So, the next one is from it says Crunchbase has done some analysis that Florida startups have raised about $1.3 billion uh, in funding in 2021. Uh, honestly, not bad, which is more than quadruple uh, all of 2020. Yeah, I don't, that doesn't surprise me, uh, but. One billion for uh, a startup ecosystem. Uh, it took. We do. We thankfully do a lot more than that in Stockholm, by the way, Florida, but um, and we have I don't know one twentieth the population, but um, never mind that. Uh, <laughs> it it took us a while to get there. It took us maybe from 2013, 14, 15. Yeah, it wasn't until around 2017 that we broke a billion, and. Um, it's applaudable when a city can get over a billion in fundraising. And now Florida, it's, Florida's got there.
6: It's also, um, I think California is becoming a little bit more onerous with their, um, uh, business tax regulations. Um, I I've heard or seen something about like a 10 year clawback or something like that, or, or, or something. So uh, a lot of companies in there, you know, when they pick a headquarters, there, Florida Texas are often coming up because of the, uh, Lack of in, state income tax as well. So uh, Florida is always coming up, at least in our discussions.
2: The next one is from Bloomberg. It says Indian online beauty products retailer called Purple raises 75 million. Chinese smart home device maker Akara raises 155 million from investors, including state backed, meaning the CCP, Shenzhen Capital, and China Telecom. And I imagine they won't be able to do business in the U.S. Chinese ride-sharing startup T3 raises $1.2 billion, led by a state-backed uh, CITIC group, CITIC, as rival Didi faces regulatory crackdown. And an inter Tom's Hardware has done an interview with Intel CEO Pat Gesslinger and CTO Greg Lavender on IBM partnership, how new transistor architectures can help outpace Moore's law and more. Bloomberg uh, says online course provider Udemy closes down 5% on its first day of trading, valuing the company at around $3.75 billion after raising $421 million in its US IPO. And congrats to Goggin and the team over there at Udemy. I just, I can't believe, holy cow, you guys did it. The next one is uh, a GAO sustains a Microsoft protest and asks the NSA to reevaluate the award of a secret cloud computing contract worth up to 10 billion to Amazon web services. So Microsoft's protest, uh, the, the NSA is trying to upgrade its cloud. They awarded it to Amazon. There's only three players, Amazon, Microsoft and uh, Google, Amazon won, Microsoft protested, and now the GAO is sustaining Microsoft's protest. And they're asking the NSA, could you please reevaluate the award that you gave to Amazon for this $10 billion contract? Because Microsoft, you know, they did a quick calculation and they found out it would only cost them, you know, a million dollars to challenge this $10 billion contract. So they might as, you know, when you go to Vegas and you see you have a um a one in a hundred chance of winning but it it only costs you a penny to win a hundred dollars yeah that's a good bet you might as well take it so (laughs) good luck microsoft with that uh with that bet there the next one is that twitter rolls out super follow for for select creators globally on ios after previously limiting the feature to us and canada users so now more people have super followers turned on. And the Wall Street Journal says that under pressure from China, Alibaba's market value has declined from a peak of 850 million to 460 million in 1 year. So they've lost half about half the value, 400 million in the past year. Filings show Row and others cut their Stakes in Alibaba, well, yeah, obviously a lot of people are cutting a lot of stakes if they've dropped half the value from nearly a trillion to nearly half a million uh, half a trillion. Axio says they have sources that bolt the little scooter company e scooter company, which offers one click oh no, the other bolt sorry the out uh, uh, the super fast one click checkout service is seeking to raise seven hundred and seventy seven million dollars at a ten billion valuation. And the verge says Microsoft acquires two hat a content moderator moderation provider that has helped improve Xbox communities for the past few years and those are your big boring headlines, and they took a whole lot longer than they normally do to get through Let me do a refresh on the page and see if anything news popped up here. Yes, Roblox has been down since seven p m Eastern time uh, with some Speculating that the outage may be related to a chipotle
5: promotion, the company denies a link
12: <laughs> Chipotle
4: Okay, chipotle sometimes eating Chipotle puts me down for hours too, so I told totally- I was trying to
2: find the joke, and Donish found it before I did there it is the common side effect of chipotle is you go down for a few hours so uh, maybe maybe check the restroom the next one is the tweets like this one from bb from uh, it says a vast releases free ransomware decryptor for multiple ransomware strains which you can get for free i'm retweeting it right now And hopefully Cheryl will share it at the top of the room so you can, if your company finds itself in the midst of a ransomware hack, you can try this new Avast ransomware decryptor. Because what they do is encrypt your files. And now you might be able to decrypt those files. The next one is from Sudamini that Uber is going to offer 50,000 Tesla cars to drivers.
5: Hang on here. It says, uh, a mammoth Hertz deal to purchase
2: 100,000 Tesla electric vehicles will allow Uber to offer a Tesla for rent to its fleet of drivers. Right hail giant Uber is to offer its drivers in the U.S. up to 50,000 fully electric Tesla vehicles. Uh, I don't think Tesla has anything other than fully electric vehicles. You could remove the word "fully" from that sentence. You could even remove the word "electric." You could just say Tesla. So, is this off-
8: just a head-to-head? Is this just a head-to-head with Hertz? I,
2: I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite clear what's going on here.
8: Right, well, Hertz, Hertz Hertz bought one hundred thousand ordered by yeah Teslas, and Uber is ordering fifty thousand. Are they staking their claims to the new? Uh, personalized transport market.
2: Tesla that this, will disrupt. Yeah, disrupt Tesla. Every, every, everything. It, Tesla's already made it very clear they're going to kill Uber <laughs> by by having their yeah, own taxi by allowing any Tesla owner to put it into the network
4: exactly.
2: autonomously. Exactly. Tesla this week's, the, set Tesla this week. It should be remembered. Tesla this week. It should be remembered. Became the holy shit, try using some commas. Tesla, <laughs> Tesla this week, it should be remembered. Tesla this week, comma, it should be remembered, comma, became, which they didn't put in the commas, Um, it should be remembered, became the first car maker to ever cross the $1 trillion market value threshold after its share price rose, blah, blah, blah. Now Uber has announced that Hertz will make up to 50,000 fully electric Teslas available for drivers to rent by 2023. So t- Uber oh, isn't this is weird. Uber this is why I said it's confusing it's taking a minute to figure out what's going on but from what I what I'm gathering is Hertz is ordering the 100,000 Teslas. Uber announced that Hertz will make half of those available for drivers to rent by 2023 exclusively for drivers using the Uber network in the US. There it is.
4: I wonder, I wonder if Uber tried to get them directly from Tesla. And Tesla said,
2: "You're damn no. right. I bet you're right." Well, no, they you know what though? That unless unless Hertz has a contract for those vehicles. Because if 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 Hertz has a signed contract saying we here, we hereby purchase these cars under these agreements, and now Tesla can't get out of that agreement, then perhaps yes, Tesla doesn't want to have Uber using Teslas. So you're right, Uber might have done a crazy backdoor deal and went to Hertz and said, "Hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, can you get us a bunch of Teslas?" And they might just, have they might have done that, but they would have to do that and have the the ink has to be very thoroughly dry before Uber comes out with this announcement that oh hey, guess what Half of those cars
5: are for Uber
4: <laughs> <laughs> It's just like fascinating, like just think about how you know we were talking about Hertz going bankrupt um <laughs> and now. Maybe this is their new model. We'll see Hertz start, you know, we'll see the same thing with Lyft and others, not, long-term yeah. to short-term rental. They, they just,
6: all these rental companies are just um, asset pools of vehicles. Like how how the traditional business model of car rental was basically to buy vehicles from fleets, right, at at, at retail or invoice, uh, work on fleet incentives to drive down pricing because that's how cars get sold is that every car company or every dealer supposedly pays the same price but volume gives you what they call uh, volume incentives or kickbacks essentially and so what her how how all these other businesses made money is they had buy a ton of cars rent them and play the arbitrage between blue book and what they owed on the payments and so they'd make money on it that way but now with rent a car going to crap you know they've got to reinvent their models and so when you go rent a car now they all share the same cars, like, meaning if you go, well, I was at Indianapolis or Atlanta last week or two weeks ago and I rented a thrifty car. And when I went there, like, I'm like, okay, I'm at thrifty. And, and I rented a but I, I, walked out with a budget car. Right. And I know they may be, you know, subsidiaries or whatnot, but they were all just pooling all of their vehicles. So I believe what, what Hertz can do is they can offer these Teslas into the pool, and collect a higher rate because all of rental cars are on these rate codes like E car, F car, J car. There's probably going to be a new car code that Tesla has, and and Hertz is going to own the vehicles that all the car rental cars then go out and market. If that makes any sense.
8: If you, if you look at if you look at how many end to end components there are to the rental car to, to the to the incumbent traditional rental car business, you know. Buying the cars, maintaining the fleet, servicing the fleet, gassing the fleet, washing the cars, making appointments—all of the uh, elements of end-to-end service involved in the in the uh, traditional business. And then you look at what uh, the promise of Tesla, where they drive them, the the cars drive themselves to the user, where all of the uh, bookings are online, where all of the recharging is automated and you disintermediate all those people and all those components of traditional rental car agencies, um, You know the, the disruption here is profound. If there's one thing that sticks out just off the top of my head that won't go away, it's managing liability. And so if you look at the play in the future, it may uh, focus more around managing the liability of the fleet and the whole process. And so is there going to be a co-op where individual owners can outsource that risk to a co-op based um, insurance process that, that indemnifies the individual owners of cars, or is that going to be captured by the incumbents as they pivot like Hertz and Uber uh, into the completely self-driving space. So um, I, I, I think I think the battle lines are drawn to, to us, uh, not, a, not a, exclusively, but to a great extent around management of that liability.
1: By the way, if you want a great deal on a used car, go to Hertz Auto Sales or any of the used car, basically direct sales companies, because they just sell them way below Blue Book. Why is th-
5: this? This is still a weird deal. In in
6: think, think roll up Tyler think what um an NVNO is on a cellular network, a- and I think you, it kind of makes sense. You have the infrastructure, which is the Hertz companies. They have places at every airport. They have the fueling. They have the cleaning. They have the maintenance. Um, so then it becomes a, a sales challenge. So an Uber driver is going to take a
2: take take a a bus over to the airport to rent a Tesla to drive for the day.
6: It's gonna just show up at their house and then it's gonna be on demand. Like the basically but then, let, any look, then inventory. Th-
2: that's the covered. weird part. I mean the cars are so close. We already have autonomous taxis being operating in San Francisco
5: legally.
6: I think this is to get the data. This is to get more cars on the road in, in different metros where maybe the regulation hasn't caught up yeah. with full autonomy yet.
1: Well they need more drivers, right? Because in the meantime, before we have autonomous You can't find drivers with good driving records who can afford cars, so Uber is desperate to get cars into new drivers' hands. They're even like leasing cars if you sign up for Uber. I think they'll buy you a car and you pay it back.
4: I also think this has to do with short trip trip length. And so when you're looking at Uber, um, you know they drive from you know one location in the city to another. Uh, Charging is a big challenge, but you know compared to Hertz. So think about Hertz and their main business right now. Their main business is you're driving, you know, pretty far away. Because if you were just going to go within a city, you would take an Uber. Like, why would you rent a car within a city, right? But the idea so here, here...
5: We got the price
2: here. The price is uh, $334 a week and could fall to $299 per week. So th- call it 300 a week. That's fucking expensive. I mean, you can... What does it cost to
6: an SUV? Remember that lady who lived out of her SUV? She was paying 1500 a week to rent an SUV.
2: But what I mean, why would you rent an Uber for a week? And in, oh, it, this includes insurance and maintenance. Well, of course, maintenance. And is the best deal available in the market today for drivers looking to rent a Tesla at the taxi
5: firm? Why? I just find it a little strange if somebody's going to rent a Tesla for a week and be an Uber driver
2: for a week or a month. I mean, maybe you're paying on a weekly rate, but on a monthly rate, that's $1,200 a month for a car.
10: Tyler, you have to include the gas pricing as well. So that's going to be roughly about 150 plus.
2: There's no gas. The
10: gas plus the, ins- yeah, so plus the insurance and everything. So the normal car would cost you something like anywhere between 200 and 250 a week. And uh, this one is going to be much better off for the drivers, anyway.
2: I guess if you're um, in an area that has a lot of fast superchargers, I'm, I'm. Just, it's a weird one. I would love to sit down with the Uber team and hear their thoughts on this.
1: Highs the cost of the car because they need the drivers. They're desperate for drivers. That's what I'm guessing.
2: Right. oh, there. I think Evan just figured it out. Because anyone who has a car has become a driver already, more or less, and the. The, they probably did some research and found out there's a whole lot of people who would like to be a driver if they could just afford a car to rent, or, you know, to to do it. And uh, this might enable that. I think you might. And there's a whole lot of people. One other thing um, was
11: that you know there's Uber Eats, and it's a lot. You know, they jack up the prices in regards to Uber Eats if there's not enough drivers. So I wonder if that will kind of cross over to that section as well.
3: Tyler, in another article, is not mentioned here. Now, the first initially only allow, uh, they will require drivers to have at least a list of 4.7 star rating and a minimum of 100. Oh, feet. so, okay. So well, not, everyone, not everyone can join well,
9: this program. Don't forget
2: that idea. You have to have already been a driver for a bit then.
9: There might be some unit economics also or in terms of just buying the cars and mass, and then even in, from an assurance perspective, especially if it's autonomous. That it's also just a cachet. Line, like
1: everyone right? wants to drive in an Uber or drive an Uber, sorry, drive a Tesla, be in a Tesla. I mean, the marketing value alone is kind of a premium.
7: Are we uh, are we talking Tesla guys, people? Are we and... talking about the the Tesla Hertz deal? Yes. Uh, because th- this is this is like the biggest Trojan horse for Tesla. They basically have Hertz buy these cars, which is great for the, the P and L the balance sheet. And then they get all of this data from multiple drivers using these individual cars. And they learn all these different types of driving styles. So in, you know, it accelerates the rollout of their, you know, their robo taxi and their autonomous cars. That's I nice. mean, in the long term for, for Hertz, this, you know, it looks like a great deal and great PR for them in the short term. In the long term, this is the death now.
6: Yeah, Tesla also gets marketing built into this too, right? Everyone who's, who rides it in a Tesla gets the, the feel of what the Tesla's like. So it's a great marketing um, angle as well for Tesla. And then I don't know if you guys caught it. Tesla, uh, Hertz is selling all of their used fleet now through Carvana, which is the change from they used to manage their own fleet sales. So
4: I really so like simple- that. I really like that comment from Jonathan around just the basic Hertz deal because that is so true. Uh, That having a diversity of drivers using the same car accelerates, uh, you know, uh, level five or whatever. Uh, Especially,
6: especially people that don't know the area.
4: Oh, that's uh, yeah. So it's essentially they're learning the policy or the reward or they know the reward, but they're learning the policy as they go. The rules of the game. That's really interesting. But, you know, I think um, that uh, I'm still very confused about this Uber side. The numbers just don't make sense. That's the issue the numbers.
10: The numbers make sense. I mean, if you look at it like in total, just totally numbers, roughly it costs about like twelve hundred to fifteen hundred to actually own a car and drive a car. I'm including pretty much every cost. Yeah, Uh, gas and insurance. Yeah. Oh, the insurance, gas. Much more um, the gas than the insurance. Yeah. Yeah, so it's roughly the gas. If we say it's about eight hundred dollars, uh, plus you put like devaluation, like roughly about two hundred to three hundred each month plus the insurance, about 200, 250. That comes up to 1,200. So it just totally makes sense that you're just going to be actually driving a better car as compared to your own car. And then you don't have to worry about the maintenance. You don't have to worry about the wear and tear. And after, you know, two, three years, you're going to be changing tires. You're going to be changing brakes. You're going to be, you know, the actual transmission. God knows what's going to happen because you're going to be running as not just just not a normal car. You're going to be actually clocking in roughly about Two to 300 miles a, a day so here we go it totally makes sense can can i poke in also why this makes sense for
6: uber and hertz to link up if you're an uber driver right what is the cost of your recharge An opportunity cost so you need to be able to dump a car
12: real
10: quick go grab another one i don't think you need to because for each day you can go up to like 350 miles which what if you want to serve 700
6: what if you want to serve 700 if you have a gas vehicle that's just uh you know a gas tank fill up and 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 five minutes if you want to serve 700 <clears> miles <throat> a day as an uber you can't you know, drive
15: 700 miles a day in
6: an uber that, that you're living in, in southern california living live in southern california when you're doing 90 all the time on the freeway and you can do that in a day
8: yeah i i, I just want to make sure we don't um lose sight of of the, the big game that's going on here. So if you look at Amazon and how many years they lost money before they ever turned a profit, because Bezos knew that he was creating a new infrastructure, a new market, and the fastest way to do it was to invest, 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 invest in the infrastructure before he even cared about turning a profit. If you look at at Uber and Hertz from their vantage point, what they see as existential threats to their business model, what they want to do is get market penetration now and worry about the business model and the numbers later um, in order to to have a stake in the future of personalized transport. So I'm not sure that penciling out the economics right now is what they're concerned about much as Bezos uh, wasn't concerned about all the money he spent investing rather than turning profits. And it, it's, it's going to be um, winners take all with uh, oligopolies. And I think these people just understand that if they want to stay in the personal vehicle transportation space, they're going to have to post quite a few years of losses before they really capture the market. Aren't they speeding up their own demise, though, John? I mean, like, I, I get yes, your yes, they're weeding out. This is this is going to be a survival survival of the biggest bankroll. Um, you know, uh, who, who's going to be able to bankroll at the longest? And I mean, you know, similar to how we bankrupted Russia with uh, the SDI initiative and and and, you know, that whole thread. Um, if you can outlast and outspend your competition in a losing run up to a oligo. Oligopoly uh, endpoint. Um, it's a long game, and people who try and play that game without enough resources get crushed. And I think Hertz will be one of those.
2: Next up is from the BBC that a Squid Game cryptocurrency soars 2,300 percent in first few days. The popular Netflix show has now spawned a new cryptocurrency, and it's soaring. If you're a fan wanting to express your devotion to the hit Korean Netflix show Squid Game, there's a cryptocurrency for that. Gamers have created an online version of the program for which you need the Squid cryptocurrency to play. On Tuesday, it was worth a modest one cent, but by Friday, it had exploded to reaching a value of $4.39. But Squid, as the coin's called, has been criticized for not allowing investors to resell their tokens. Dystopian series which tells the story of a group of people forced to play Deadly Child's games for money, has become a viral sensation. Squid is what is known as play-to-earn cryptocurrency, where people buy tokens to play in online games where they can earn more tokens. These can then be exchanged for other cryptocurrencies or fiat money. In the case of Squid, many buyers will be gamers looking to play in the online game of the program, which begins in November. The more people join, the larger reward pool will be, according to the issued document, which says developers will take 10% of the entry fee with the remaining 90% given to the winner. More importantly, we do not provide deadly consequences. Uh, Individual rounds have have costs to join. For example, by playing round one, red light, green light will cost a squid player four hundred and fifty-six squid. With six rounds. In total, that gets more expensive as they go along. But prospective buyers should beware with crypto price tracking website Coin Market Cap issuing a warning that many users have been unable to resell their tokens on cryptocurrency exchanges. Its market cap or total volume in the market has reached one hundred eighty four million dollars, one trader told the BBC on Twitter they have they have $7,500 tied up in the currency that they are hoping will be released in 48 hours. It's unclear why this is happening, but the company says it is using innovative anti-dumping technology that limits people from selling their coins if there are not enough coins being bought in the market. The company has not immediately responded to the BBC's request for clarification. The cryptocurrency joins a long and growing list of digital coins and tokens that piggyback on random memes or cultural phenomena, Cornell University economist told the BBC. Remarkably many such coins rapidly catch investors fancy, leading to wildly inflated valuations. Naive retail investors who get caught up in such speculation, speculative frenzies face the risk of substantial losses. Kind of like the uh, P, the characters in, in the Netflix drama itself. <laughs>
3: Donna here, can I Go ahead, Donna. Ch- chime in? I would be very surprised if that was open to Americans. I just checked the, their own website, which calls it an ICO. Um, I think we know what the SEC thinks of ICOs. Um, so it would be unlikely that this would be listed on any US uh, exchange um, and available to them. The phone number also was an 8, uh, eight four, um, area code, I mean, a country code. I, don't, I didn't check what where that was, but the, it's clearly called an ICO on their um, on their on their uh token squidtoken.com uh and they're in the pre-sale now it's a just classic uh kind of ICO
2: 84 is Vietnam by the way um, Okay,
3: then that's where it is
2: and yeah and crypto is reportedly very very big in Vietnam um and Tyler that's yes. actually where
16: the uh, Axie Infinity gaming developers app is Vietnam ah yeah, so and, I mean, if this is sort of creating sort of also in some ways gaming, yeah, the whole phenomenon of Axie Infinity was the CEO is like a twenty-eight-year-old Vietnamese guy developer.
2: I love the irony that you will likely <laughs> lose by playing this, much like the main character with his yeah, horse. Damn bedding.
16: it! You made me freaking binge on that. <laughs> it was really cool. that sort yeah. of Siri was pretty mad.
2: Yeah. So interesting article. I
16: I don't want to spoil it for everyone with the last episode. Copyright issue here. Hmm?
2: Someone's DMing me that that squid is now fifteen dollars USD per squid coin now, and it went up from one cent.
11: My question is, like, wouldn't there be like a copyright issue on this because, like, they're not the creators of Squid Game, and don't they have like protections on that? That's just my question. That would be
2: trademarks and trademarks are applicable to particular categories. I highly doubt that squid game, whoever holds the trademark for squid game, which is likely Netflix or or some kind of, uh, um, but they likely don't might not have the trademark on. They might, but they might not have a trademark on a cryptocurrency coin. But although I'm wondering which trademark class that would file under itself, um,
16: Right. Can I make like a Netflix call? Aren't there certain words that can't be trademarked? Like I mean, squid and game, aren't there certain words that can't be trademarked?
2: Yeah, I imagine there is. I imagine Google and Facebook have. Because
16: those are, I was just talking with a Dutch friend of mine and those are common words. Aren't common words not really allowed to be trademarked?
4: They, mm-hmm. they can be trademarked if they're used for um, certain purposes. So, uh, you know, if you have a, if the name of your company is Book or Amazon is a good example. Amazon clearly has a trademark, even though it's a common word. Um, and so uh, I, I think that, the, and also it's in Vietnam. So we have to be careful about how that kind of stuff goes across the globe. Well,
16: Meta yeah, is because, a, because market... That yeah, market replication word. is something that we studied in the MBA, and market replication is possible. I mean, the Dutch have had, Dutch have names of different things over here, but because it's Holland, it doesn't, it's across border, it's cross international waters. So that's, it was Dr. Danish, I think, who said, uh, it was Vietnam, that, you know, you have one organization that has the name in one part of the world, and you have another situation growing in another part of the world. Does, that's a legal thing of, does that international law, does copyright law exist if you start you know patent law does it exist in international waters when it goes across countries? That's what I would be curious about.
6: It depends on if the countries participate in the Patent Cooperation Treaty. Sorry. Thank
16: you, Trader Joe, Chris. That's that's right from a patent perspective.
11: Sorry, I'm I'm with my IRL friend, so I only have a Thank second you. to talk, but. We can give a. I think Jennifer and I would like to give a class on all, all the IP so to help you guys understand please, what rights you have. right? So once again, so yeah, we'll we'll put it on our radar. I don't know, Cheryl, if you want to book it under tech news or we can book it under another room. But I know that Jennifer and I have been talking about it for a while.
8: Yeah, I hope. I hope in that discussion, and I'd love to hear that. I hope in that discussion, you address the issue of the pragmatic economics of is it worth going after someone, uh, who is ripping you off in a different jurisdiction or not. And the de- defensibility and the, the, the value of the investment in, in defending y- your IP in whatever form it exists, that would be really helpful if you could weave that in.
11: Yeah. So, Hey, John, if you could send me a back channel with some of your questions or just send it to, um, I have a, I'll put it back in my bio. I have a specific, uh, Yahoo account for, um, clubhouse. So um, just send me questions and then we'll take all the questions that we have amassed because I get them all the time. Um, and this is re- a really hot topic right now. And so we'd like to help you guys out with it. Once again, not from an insurance client privilege perspective, but more of a teaching people and helping you guys uh, understand what your rights are and how to protect yourselves, etc.
8: Yeah, I've actually participated in some international trademark disputes, and it gets messy and expensive fast. It's
11: ugly, messy, expensive, and all of a sudden what you thought you had rights to have dissipated, and it's because you didn't protect yourself. So, yeah, um, we definitely should have some kind of uh, um, conversation about this. But once again, not from an attorney-client perspective, but more from an educational perspective.
5: Next up is
2: Amazon's labor shortage hinders one-day delivery ambitions in India. Amazon said it anticipates $4 billion in additional labor and related expenses during the fourth quarter amid pandemic-fueled shortages that made it harder to do one-day deliveries. Next up is from CNN Singapore probes unusual surge in COVID-19 cases. No, not unusual at all when you decide to live with it. Singapore is looking into an, an unusual surge of 5,324 new infections of COVID-19. The city-state's health minister said its highest sense figures since the beginning of the pandemic. You guys took a radical new approach to decide to live with it and uh, let your guard down. That's what happens with Delta.
10: I think that article is on CNN.
2: Yes, it is. So it's a bit
10: delayed. Yeah, it was a few days ago.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, The typical
2: CNN three-day delay effect. The next one is from The Verge. It says, New Biden plan would give e-bike buyers up to $1,500 in tax credits. The credit would be restored to 30%. The credit was restored to 30%, which means what? It means limited to 30% of the value of the bike? They slashed it. It says there's good news in the latest version of the White House budget bill. The proposed federal tax credit for new electric bike purchases has survived the most recent round of congressional bloodletting. Not only that, but it's been restored to its former glory of 30% after the House of Representatives slashed it to 15%. I see. Still, it's hugely important proposal. So that means you could if you bought a bike that was uh, what is that? $4,500, $4,500, then you could get the maximum amount of $1,500. So you can take 30% off up to $1,500. The legislation would offer Americans a refundable tax credit worth 30% of a new e-bike purchase capped at $1,500. Yep. All th- how much is that new Van Hoof bike, uh, May?
5: It goes like 50 miles an hour. That, that would be up in that upper range of around 5000 bucks, I think.
2: All three e-bike classes would be eligible for the tax credit, but bikes with motors more powerful than 750 watts would not. The credit would be fully refundable, which would allow lower-income individuals to claim it. I like it. Bikes that cost more than 8000 would not be eligible, and the 30% credit starts to phase out for bikes that cost more than 5000 The program is also means-tested based on tax status, meaning, meaning the credit would begin phasing out $200 for every $1,000 spent on the purchase for individuals who earn $75,000, heads of households earning $112,000, and
5: married couples who file jointly earning 150000 Okay, next up is uh,
2: Panasonic's new Tesla batteries last five times longer. Can in- I, yes? Tyler,
8: before you leave, can I just say the thoughtfulness that went into the crafting of that legislation is rare?
2: You mean the financial?
8: Yeah, the incentive model. To I mean, the goal is to get uh, people at the lower socioeconomic status to uh, abandon their... Uh, polluting cars and start using electric bikes instead and without it being exploited by those at the upper uh, income levels. Um, So the the way that they've structured that
12: actually, you you cut out john john we can't hear you ground control to john
8: oh there? sorry i went through i went through a dead zone can you hear me yes yeah no i i was just saying that th- that that legislation sounds uh like it addressed some of the unintended consequences prospectively which is so rare in legislative activity to actually Um, drafted in ways that hew so closely to the intended outcome of converting gas guzzling old cars into more electric bike travel among those who otherwise can't afford it um, without creating all kinds of unintended consequences and uh, exploitation of the legislation. I I just, I don't know who wrote that, uh, but it seems to me that that was pretty well crafted to address some of the unintended consequences.
2: I would think you would want as many people as possible to buy electric bikes
8: but for those where a tax incentive is not going to not going to cause them to flip that switch, um, you know spending tax dollars to get them to do something they were going to do anyway, which happens a lot yeah. um, is is shrewd financial management yeah at a at a at a national level, that's pretty uncommon
10: so the the only thing go ahead Grant. the only thing with the bike is you know to go for the electric bike for the far east and you know uh, congested uh, sort of like locations where you have like a highest population of like let's say about 15 to 20 million population city that's where i think it's more sort of acceptable that you know and it's going to have a lot more penetration if the country like u.s um you know the The bike gets filled up, I think, in 10 to 15 bucks. And, you know, you can go on for on and on, pretty much. Like, you hardly ever go to the gas station to actually fill it up. So, uh, you know, it's not going to get much traction in the U.S. Because there's no, you know, financial benefit, like, as such, uh, for a person who's going to be electing to choose a bike as a mode of transportation as compared to the actual car. And also, this could be uh, A to B for your work, for your layer, for anything. I mean, most of the transportation happens like when you're actually picking up the stuff from grocery shops and, you know, doing the shopping and everything and there's another person with you. So, and also there's like a very strict, uh, um, you know, measure in place in terms of getting a special license for the bike riding. Um, not everybody can, you know, very keen on actually getting a bike uh, license. So for them to actually shift from the car to the bike By itself is a shift, big time, Um, and for that to actually go one further step to go for electrical one, um, just looking in for the mayor that whether it's going to financially benefit them that there's no not much financial benefit to begin with. Right,
8: everything. Well, where where I where I drive in Southern California, um, if you uh, and and where there's carpool lanes, very few cars have more than one person in them, Um, and And many of them are on short trips. So I'm not sure, you know, I I think it's very geography dependent and it's very infrastructure dependent upon where it's practical or not. But there are large um, geographies where uh, a single person in a car going 10 miles or less uh, accounts for a huge amount of carbon um, release into the atmosphere.
10: Yeah, John, that's exactly why I made the exception to if the city is like 15 to 20 million, sort of like population, that's, that's where it's more practical. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, the population has been pretty much spread all over. And hardly, I mean, apart from like three, four cities, top ones like New York, Houston, LA, um, not more so Houston, but like Chicago, um, those are the cities where probably it's going to make sense. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense anywhere else. Okay. Next up is that speaking of Tesla,
2: Panasonic's new Tesla battery lasts five times longer and costs half as much. Battery production at Panasonic's factory will increase 100 fold making the new batteries. So, why isn't Japan doing EVs? Did Panasonic's a Japanese
1: company. Right? Huh? You have to turn the AC off.
5: Something's covering your mic, Evan.
12: Temperature inside the temperature
5: outside. Nope.
12: You there? Sorry. The battery was unveiled at a n at a
2: media round table and and it will cost 50% less to make, and will boost production at the Japanese company 100-fold
5: by the end of the decade. So why isn't Japanese car makers using
12: it? They're made in Japan by a Japanese company.
5: Weird. So next one is,
2: speaking of Tesla, Elon Musk took to Twitter today to say, uh, I'm thinking of starting a new university, Texas Institute of Technology and Science.
6: Acronym TITS.
2: Yes, the, the first letter of those would be T-I-T-S. So it would be T-I-T-S University. And, and he says, it will have epic merch.
5: <laughs> As if the hint wasn't obvious enough. He's trolling. He's definitely trolling. But it's going to happen. That's what's funny.
2: <laughs> He's definitely going to make. Right. Them... So
6: then suddenly, suddenly it's going to be like, "Hey, where do you go to school? I go to tits."
2: He's definitely so... to the tits. If somebody hasn't made the merch already, I'm I'm to... I'm tempted to cancel the room early and opening that merch store because someone's going to make a million dollars in merch <laughs> on that.
6: Do it, do it, cancel the room early and make
2: (laughs) it. I've already made the room for the Tech News Around the World uh shop. Um, which we we can put that link in the uh, top of the room here for those who want to buy some of the Tech News Around the World merch, which is the TNATW merch.
6: Just imagine all the little slogans that are going to be on that school merchandise and what the um, just imagine what the, the mascot would be
5: some oh god, I don't want to think what they would do with the rocket. <laughs> okay. It's
2: serious trolling going on over there with Elon's Twitter account. The next one is uh Malaysian gynecological gynecologist. A Malaysian gynecologist creates world's first unisex condom. I guess the person's name is Tang. It says, Tang makes the condoms use polyurethane, a material used in transparent wound dressings that is thin and flexible, yet strong and waterproof. Okay, next up. uh, Counting CO2 is hard, but tech firms think they have a solution. Microsoft is previewing a tool for calculating emissions called Microsoft Cloud for Sustainability. And Apple has doubled its business in India, according to Tim Cook. During fiscal 2021, we earned nearly one-third of our revenue from emerging markets and doubled our business in India and Vietnam. And we're optimistic about the future. And next up from India, it says that Pegasus according to Pegasus, uh not for sale to private entities. So the Isra Israel's ambassador says about Pegasus that Pegasus spyware is not for sale to private entities, only to governments. In the midst of a Supreme Court, uh, uh, a three-member expert committee to investigate allegations into the use of Pegasus uh, surveillance software, the Israeli ambassador to India clarified that export licenses to the company is only granted for sale to governments, not private sector entities. Speaking to journalists on Thursday, the uh, Israel, the Israel's ambassador to India um, responded to questions saying the NSO group who makes the Pegasus is a private Israeli, Israeli company. Every export by NSO requires a government license. Adding that he had been dealing with the issue, he said, we grant export licenses only to governments that cannot sell to non-government actors. Questioned whether the embassy would join the Supreme Court-ordered investigation, he said what's happening in India is India's internal matter. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court, while framing the terms of reference for the expert panel, said it would... I can't believe how many typos we find. They have even a capitalized letter in the middle of a sentence. Expert panel said it would framing the terms of reference for the panel with a capital F for framing.
5: There's just no
6: pride in workmanship anymore.
2: That's just so weird. While framing the terms of reference for the expert panel said it would framing the terms of reference that makes no sense grammatically and it's even more crazy that the, they capitalized the word framing the court said it would inquire investigate and determine whether the pegasus suite of spyware was used for snooping in india and who were the targets the committee is also expected to find out whether the spyware was acquired by the center or states or any government agency and if citizens were spied on, if any government agency has used Pegasus suite of spyware on citizens, under that under what law, rule, guideline, protocol, or lawful procedure was such deployment made? And if any domestic entity or person has used the spyware on the citizens of this country, then is such a use authorized? Okay. Next up. Nope. That that tab crashed. Okay. Whoa. Here we go. From Cherokee. Renewable energy jobs. Oh! Here we go. Here's a chance to play our favorite show. Wake up, everybody. It's time to play our favorite show, Tech News Jeopardy. Messi's ha- not
6: here.
2: Chance to win. Messi's not here. Ahead of COP26, a report by R-R-I-R-E-N-A underscores the, the jobs potential of... Of the climate, how many renewable energy jobs have been created globally?
4: One hundred million.
12: Anybody else?
7: Five million. Ten million.
1: million? Eleven, eleven million.
5: eleven million uh,
2: D j. Teflon with another win just beating out BB the total uh, an- yeah. <laughs> is oh, my first win <laughs> twelve million Good guess. The next one is that Facebook, Google, and Twitter face grilling by u k lawmakers. British lawmakers are setting are set to grill Facebook and other tech giants Thursday over how they handle online safety. Okay, next up, uh, food tech startup called Nix, based in Stockholm, Sweden, actually. Uh, Kind of initiated in part by uh, friends of mine. That was launched, has now launched in the UK, grabs $100 million more of funding for global expansion. And it's gone incredibly well in Scandinavia where they make a Kit Kat bar. In Sweden, we don't eat Kit Kat. We eat what's called Keks, which are actually way better than Kit Kat. And they make a a Keks bar that's even better than the original Keks bar, but it doesn't have sugar. And now they're getting into all kinds of other categories, like ice creams and all kinds of stuff, with a very low sugar and uh, higher protein and blah, blah, blah. So um, congrats to the whole next team the next one is from haret Ha'aretz out of uh, israel which the headline says unprecedented images of israel's top secret sites published online so i just tweeted that out and then bb has this one that microsoft plans to save around 5.7 billion liters per year of water by 2030 as company plans to be water positive. How do you do that? How do you make water? Microsoft is now planning to save 5.7 billion liters of water per year by 2030. The company is now planning to be water positive, which I guess that means they're going to desalinate water and desalinate more than they need. How, how How do you become water positive exactly?
6: well i hate to be the brainiac here, but usually, like um organizations are responsible for every drop of water that falls on their properties and therefore need to process and handle it. Maybe they're reclaiming some of this water that lands on their on their stuff. I don't know
0: That's yes. I'm just being a wise ass recycle recycle use now in America um, from my friends let's say uh, every plant new
3: new build plant you need to. Uh, have enough storage to your site, the the, the uh, including the rain. So uh, I think they have to expand their storage of their incoming water and recycle it in the like the semiconductor battery.
5: Okay.
2: Next up is Mastercard is preparing its network for central bank digital currencies. And uh, a robot umpires are coming to baseball. Baseball fans know the bitter heartbreak of calls that didn't go their way, especially a ball that should have been called a strike. And with advancing technologies, robots umpires with AIs uh, are coming to baseball. But perhaps with them. we can now add umpires to the ever-growing list of jobs that are uh, being replaced by. AIs, and a strange black hole has been discovered in the Milky Way with a huge warp in its uh, in its what? What is that word? Accretion is that a scientific word? An international team of astrophysicists from South Africa, the UK, and France, and the US have found large variations in the brightness of light seen from around
5: a strange black hole in the Milky Way. From around one of the closest black holes in
2: our galaxies, uh, 9,600 light-years from Earth. That's just right down the road, which they conclude is caused by a huge warp in its accretion disk. You know, the accretion disk of a black hole. Um, Duh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to be that for Halloween.
6: I actually, I actually know what it means, but it's funny.
2: Strange black hole discovered in Milky Way with a huge warp in its accretion disk, which I guess is the disk of swirling shit going around the perimeter of the black hole.
12: Pretty much.
2: <laughs> so the, let me tweet that out for you. The next one is from Sudamini. Oh, that's the Pegasus one. The next one's from Poppy, from the New York Times. New York Times reporting that Amazon sales growth slows and costs rise. The company's profits was lower, largely because of higher labor costs
5: and huge investments in its delivery network. The company's profits was lower. Yes, profits were lower.
2: Because they're spending money. They're investing in their delivery network, as you said. But, by God, they should need to have somebody with some business background working at the New York Times. Yes, the company's profits were lower. Largely because of higher labor costs and huge investments in its delivery network. Yes. Anyway. Don't get me started on how New York Times tries to make business headlines. Anyway, uh, the squid grain cryptocurrency, we covered that. But here, let me retweet that out for everybody who didn't get it. There it goes from BBC. Mark Zuckerberg just laid out his vision for the metaverse. These are the five things you should know, according to the Washington Post. Here we go. Here we go. What are the five things we need to know? No, we're not going to know because they have this crazy paywall on that one. So the next one is from BB from Nikkei Japan. The headline says, what Singapore's Grab, which is the, the Uber of Southeast Asia, brings to global investors with their U.S. IPO on NASDAQ. Super App emerges as alternative investment vehicle amid China tech crackdown. Yeah, it's a great way to invest in Asia. Grab is killing it, and we are lucky to have somebody from Grab who joins us nearly every day here on stage, although I don't see him here at the moment. Nope. So the next one is India's most awaited stealth drone called the Gatak. Breaks cover, fuels speculation about early induction amid China tensions. India's secretive combat drone project attack seems to be on course. If the latest images are anything to go by, this is a clear signal that the country, which is seen to be lagging behind China and Pakistan, has given a renewed thrust to the development of military drones.
5: And I'll tweet this one out so you can see a photo of this Indian drone. There we go. We tweeted it out. And I will update the link at the top of the room. Let's see if that works
2: for you. Oh, didn't support that link. Okay. So, by the way, the pinned links doesn't work for every link, unfortunately. And I think, yes, that will take us to, we're five minutes over our normal three hour session. So, we're going to pause there and. We're going to meet up again, not tomorrow, because we take Sundays off. Uh, as tomorrow Lord. we
12: have health news around the world.
2: Oh, we, is that today? Or That's tomorrow, this time. Right. No, no, so we no. don't totally take Sunday off. Sunday's a special day. We get to, do, get to do the deep dive into all things health with Dr. Danish and everybody. It's a lot of fun. So hopefully we will see you there. And have a wonderful rest of your weekend, everybody.
6: Thank Thanks. You. Be safe, everyone. Good. Thank you. Tyler. See you tomorrow. Right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Thanks, Tyler. Bye, sure. Bye. Sure. Bye.